Welcome back to Rip and Tear. I am here with Nolsey, best friend, co-partner, co-host, partner in crime. What else can I, what else can I say? Like, what, how else can I explain it? I don't know, man. Like, I'm mean, just your left-hand man. Fuck but, yeah, sorry? left-hand man. I'm your right-hand man. You're my left-hand man. Right-hand, hand. yes. There yes. we go. You are literally on my right hand. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am, indeed. So, bro, how was your weekend? First Look, weekend how of... You doing, man? Oh, fuck. Oh, oh, the old switcheroo. Damn. <laughs> oh, you're starting, you're starting off with me, bro. I am fucking good. I am good. First weekend of full strength, well, mostly full strength footy sides. Very interesting to watch. Um, just, yeah, bro, I, I, I was fucking frothing over the whole thing. Didn't, I wish I could have watched the whole Warriors game live, but I had my radio show on. So I had to do that and was kind of watching it on the side. But fuck me, just seeing some of the players, some of the plays coming out from the weekend. I'm so excited for footy to start. Beautiful. I rate it. I rate it. What about you, bro? What was your weekend like? Oh, the weekend was all good. I spent most of it analyzing and going deep and diving deep into all things footy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, pen to paper and really trying to... To like, just I don't know, piece it, piece it, tear it apart, piece it, take it, you know, step by step, yeah. and just dive. Disembowel this motherfucker known as the game of rugby league. Yeah, man, just like see what it's all about. I want to dive deep into his emotions. You know, I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to touch the heart. <laughs> I want to connect, man. I want to build a connection so this guy can see me for who I am and I can see him for who he is, you know? Like, okay, it's... okay. You're, you're talking about two blokes. I'm thinking that you're going to start talking about docking. So I'm, I'm going to cut you off there. <laughs> hey, man. I'm just talking about rugby league here. <laughs> cut it out. Yeah. yeah, okay. That's my bad. I went there. I went there. Um, so, fuck. Well, how, do we, how do we start this? So this week is going to be a lot more... Um, we're trying to get more and more in depth with it because we don't have any background with being in systems or being close to professional or anything like that where um, certain things are like when you say like a team comes through the grades or whatever, um, like sorry, a player comes through the grades, then like you kind of know the path that they're taking because you've been in the system and you've been there. We are not those people. We are mainly dribblers at heart. But we tried this week, which I think we're going to continue with, um, is writing down notes when watching the game. So we've both got a notepad and pen for the games that we watched this week. We didn't watch all of them together. We watched a lot of the same, but we did cover every single game. We will let you know from like whether we only watch highlights or anything. We're not going to fuck you around and be like, yeah, we watched a full 80 minutes and then give you like, oh, this try was really good. No. We're going to try and go more in depth with it and talk about not just the good plays, but some of the bad plays as well. Try not to dwell on the negatives, but yeah, this was actually your idea for doing this. Yeah, yeah. Look, initially it was just so I can get more more information to put out and so I don't get as lost in my words, you know what I mean? And just so I could also remember a lot of the big things that happened, you know, like most of the time, you know, when we spoke about this before in the past episodes, I'd sit there and I'd watch the game and I'd go, that's interesting. I'll put that towards the podcast. And then, you know, Tuesday rolls around and we're ready to hit record. And I'm like, huh, 
Fuck. What was, what was that again? <laughs> like, I remember saying something um, or thinking something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah Herbie looked hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's just it was just something to help out with the content because, you know, like you said, we're not here to fuck anyone around. We want to do, we do want to make this interesting and fun. Yeah. So, the best way to do that is just to keep on top and yeah. write the notes down. Some, something that I love that we did last year when we come like meet up for beers. So technically, you could say we've got a year of podcasting under our belt. It's just not recorded. Um, <laughs> but I loved how we. It wasn't like but the best part about it was listening to your advice from my perspective, listening to your points and seeing a different perspective. And hopefully, because most of the big podcasts in rugby league um are mainly ex-players and you always see the ex-player view and like they always favor the player but we're trying to go from diehard fan view and just give you another perspective because in my eyes more opinions doesn't hurt it just opens up your mind to a lot more possibilities of looking at a game in a different way Definitely, definitely, because, like, there's nothing more boring than listening to some of these ex-players go, oh, you know, the player's always right, it's always the players, and, you know, it's the coaching and the system that's failing people, and then, you you know, as a supporter, you go and just watch the game, and you see so many players let down the system. Yeah. And that's just, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm always going to blame the players, or always going to blame the coach, or always do this, but I'd rather dive deep and play devil's advocate for both and give counterpoints for both so it makes people think hey look maybe this is the reason hey look maybe that's the reason and then you know go from there yeah yeah no i agree um 100 100 (laughs) also just a quick little teaser little teaser um Dom, you don't even know about this just yet, but I've been working on a design for a shirt. What the fuck? Already, bro? A rip and, yeah, a rip and tear podcast shirt. It's mainly for me and you to wear yeah. um, when we do this. Oh, <laughs> hey, 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 we can wear it to Magic Round as well. Exactly, exactly. And um, I thought about printing a couple more for just like a couple of the mates and family members that do want one, yeah. that do listen to the podcast and... You know, we'll we'll see how hey, it goes. It's just a little little teaser for the, hey, for the boys if, out, out if there. If I know anything, is getting uh, merch out early proves how much of a diehard you are to the people that start listening to you later. Exactly. Like, I'd love to see those shirts fly fly about one day when there's like hopefully a hundred thousand of views. No, nah, not hopefully. <laughs> we will get a hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, it's just a matter of time. You know, but it would. It would just be great just when they see, you know, the OG shirts yeah. floating about. And I'm like, man, we only made like 10 of yeah. those. <laughs> I mean, like, bro, where the fuck did you get that? Because there's no way. I don't remember selling this to you. Like, what's your name? Wait, what the fuck? No, I'm from, remember yeah. from the mailing list or whatever? Damn, that's actually fucking sick news. God damn. Okay. Chill out, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that the, yeah, the so... whole, like, seeing someone with, like, an OG shirt or I, I just can only really relate to which a lot of you probably know of the hello sport boys their very first hat was a dark navy corduroy with their og logo on it and there is only like 200 and like you see people posting in like that the facebook group and they're like yo i got my whole collection they got like a baggy green they've got the the navy blue they've got the black they've got the off-white they've got the pink and they got the fucking other one what's the other one 
There's one other. Oh, the tan. And I'm just like, fuck me, you're dedicated shit. So hopefully we're gonna get a few of you yeah. few of you being as dedicated as that to us. Not hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hopefully. yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, get we'll there. get there. We'll get there. It's only a matter of time, bro. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Okay. For the first game, um, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I didn't fucking watch it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I secretly really enjoyed it. Um, there's something about youngsters that just... Oh, shit. Okay, now I'm going to back that up. But yeah. <laughs> there's something about young up-and-coming pl- rugby players, league players, that just get me going. You know, they yeah. they put it all on the line, and that's a note that I put down, and I remember saying this to you as well. There's a lot of errors in these games, yeah. because errors is what sums up this game for me. Yeah. But it's because they take the risk. They're trying to break into their top 30. They're trying to get signed into the top 30. They're trying to just make it into first-grade footy. Yeah. So they just leave it all out on the mm. field. And whether it, they play very Reese Walsh type of rugby, not as executed, <laughs> but the risk level, yeah. yes, I'd say is up there. You know, they take a lot of risks. I can and see that. Some of it comes off, some don't. But yes, errors. That it's the only thing I can tell yeah. you. Errors and roosters ran amok. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, this is the bunnies roosters game. Um, forgot to mention yeah. that at the beginning. But bunnies roosters were both Las Vegas teams. They're overseas. First teams are overseas already. So it's mainly Resi's playing under 18s. What like basically whoever they had uh, high hopes on. So yeah, I mean. I, I've noticed that with a few of the games the week before where it's you see youngins come in, they go flying in for a big hit to try and put their name out in front of the coach, which, let's be fair, he was probably enjoying his, well, for the for the Cox anyways, probably enjoying their business class flight all the way to Las Vegas nonstop. Um, thank you, Nick Pilatus. They'll be thanking him for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That, that's just what I noticed with the reserve games. Have you got any any points that you want to mention about the game? Not really. It's just, it was a lot of, like I said, it was just errors riddled. But the youngsters looked good. The The only thing that made it very, I don't know, one-sided is the risk that the Roosters took paid off and the Bunnies didn't. Uh, Burns, he had a shitter against a just youngsters, man, like, I don't know, he's just lost it, in my opinion. Yeah. He's, he was the only, like, big name, I'd say, that was in, in both these lineups, and he just shat the bed. Another one for me is, I was really excited to see Young's little brother, Dominic Young's little brother, Alex Young. I think it's Alex, yeah. So Alex Young. Yeah, Alex Young. He's massive. He's, he's a big, big boy, man, like, I'd say he's bigger. He's way bigger than Dom Young. You reckon? Oh, you definitely. He looked. I was like, dude, are you second row? Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but he did not impress at all. His first touch was probably the best touch he had all game. Yeah. And then he got lost in the game, and he just did not impress. Like, I don't know what it is. It just the effort wasn't there. Like, not like the other youngsters. I think the other youngsters on the team out outperformed him. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, like, it was really hard to take notes on because uh, of the lopsidedness. 
like both teams started off very competitive in the first half and then it just turned to the Roosters ball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's basically my notes. In terms of like not having a lot of notes for it anyways, it is reserve graders against reserve graders. So you've got to take like a lot of the stats and good plays with a grain of salt being like you're literally, you're, well, not literally, you're basically watching a New South Wales Cup game, but glorified because it's a, it's an NRL preseason trial. And it's it's actually competing for, I, I don't know how to put it, but it's, yeah, it, it is reserve graders against preserve graders. So like a lot of stuff you take with grain of salt, but with players that do well, it, you got to take notice that, oh, well, they actually look really good against other people their age, like, or yeah. in their in their tier, we can call it. Um, now we forgot to mention um, we're doing a new thing, and I'm gonna yes. throw you off, and I'm gonna change it a little bit. We're gonna have each a little ripper for each game, and then we're gonna have the ripper of the week at the end of it. Okay. So we're gonna have each each game. We're gonna have honorable mentions for who was close in the running for the little ripper, which is best player in the game, and that's for both teams. So not one for either team. That's but key, uh, both teams competing against each other for the little ripper of the game, and then we're going to do that for the whole week. Each game we're going to have a little ripper. Then at the end we're going to debate and decide on who's going to be our ripper of the week. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so I like that. Fire away because I've got nothing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mentions. I'll start off with those. Ethan Clarkwood played center. Yeah. Absolutely killed it. Um, some of his stats, 13 runs for uh, 134 meters, 45 PC uh, post-contact meters. Yeah. <laughs> and two line breaks, one line break assist, two try assist, four tackle breaks. List goes on. Okay. He only missed one Sounds like his hands well. were in a lot of, a lot of yeah. footy. He facilitated. And then the other one is uh, Callum Gromick. Uh, oh, yes. By the way, all my names are Roosters boys. It's just unfortunate it's the way it is. <laughs> I mean, they did put a clinic on at the end. Yeah, they did. Um, Callum Gromick, though, he ran an absolute muck. It's just, I don't have his stats right now, yeah. but he was a close con- contender in my Little Ripper. Yeah. And um, in saying that, my Little Ripper for this game... My nominee is Celesi Fuketti. Plays lock. Yeah. Started at lock for the Roosters. He ran for one try. 15 runs for 224 meters. Two line breaks. Four tackle breaks. 33 tackles made. Only missed like three or four. Hold on. Two line breaks? Yes. What? At lock? Yeah. At lock. Did, did you notice he moved out into the second row at any point? No. Nah, in the middle of the entire I didn't time. notice... I didn't notice that at all. He just put in the hard yards to the middle. He really just dislodged the middle defense of the bunnies. That is insane. That is, yeah, well, little ripper for that for the first game. Um, now, we'll just skedaddle along because it's Rezzies and we don't really want to talk too much about it because, <laughs> let's be honest, we won't see much of them this year, but hopefully in the future when we come back to it, we can be like, yeah, Fuck yeah, we mentioned he was our little ripper for the fucking first game, or second week of preseason trials. Um, but, so <laughs> the next game, I was busy on the Friday night, so I didn't watch it, but it is my team. So I didn't watch and analyze, but I rewatched and 
watched it as a fan because it is my team. That's the Sharkies versus the Doggies. Um, now, I'm just going to go off just from memory, from what I saw with the, with the old eye test. Um, very sloppy game. A lot of errors. Not a lot of attacking football. Or a lot of attacking football, but not a lot of clinical attacking football. And so, no. for that, watching it, the thing that really was glaring to me as a Doggies supporter, I I'm, I don't know if we did predicted 17. I think we only did it for the Warriors when we did our, our little predicted 17. But if I did a Doggies predicted 17 before we had any team list or anything, it would be Sexton in the halves, Cryden at fullback, Cherry in the centres, and Matt Burton still at six. And that is because Crichton has too much he has too much value wasted out on in the centres. Now we've found out that he has carrying a bit of a niggle, so they haven't tra- uh, trained him in the preseason at fullback that often. So they're thinking of doing that later down the track, I believe. So fingers crossed that actually happens. Um, but in terms of Doggy's plays, Drew Hutchinson, I have to throw his name in there. I, I don't want to be mad. Uh, mad. I don't want to dog LeBro and talk shit on him. But he, I know he came up through the grades as a half and he looked very controlling and he had, got the team going around on the park, but he just had no attacking flair and that execution wasn't there. Like that polish that you need as a halfback that's going to make those, those oh, not clinical, it's those specific attacking plays and decisions have to be made pinpoint almost every time. Otherwise, you're going to get... Yeah. You're just going to get fucking annihilated by the crowd and the commentators and all the analyzers and everything like that. Um, yeah. We mentioned it last week, how Toby Sexton looks so much better than on attack. We did say it was when the reserve graders were on, so it's like, take it with a grain of salt. But the way that Drew was running the ball and doing the plays, like I'm pretty sure there was one play where he swung it out to the right and went like a meter and a half behind Blake Wilson. And it was just uh, like those, those little things like you can't like missing a meter and a half of a pass where uh, I just, I don't understand how that can happen, whether that's just him playing so many different roles at the Roosters and he's still getting yeah. used to halfback again, or whether that's just his maybe his age showing. I I feel like it's a positional thing, but for me, I want to see Sexton. I I just wanted I wanted to see more of Sexton in the trials, given an actual shot at um, winning the spot. But it seems like it's all written and like it's all already decided and everything. What What are your thoughts? I'm spilling for too long. <laughs> no, like, I think it's a very good a point to, to raise. Like, definitely while I was watching it, I noticed that Drew Hutchison is definitely not your answer at halfback. And you said it, like, I really wish they gave Sexton a bit more of a run. And you can't, you could say that maybe that's why it was written in the, in the stars or whatever, that Drew Hutchison is the half or whatever. Yeah. You could look at it the other way. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe Sexton got the lower amount of minutes because he's already there. He's already set for it. They were just trying to give Hutchison the go to see if he could fight for it. I'm not saying that's the case because obviously it's fucking NRL. It's not fairy tales. But 
I think if he carries on with this poor performance, and look, just a quick side note, I'm all for name dropping because people need to be counted, held accountable. Yeah. You know, whether it's coaching staff, whether it's systems, whether it's clubs, whatever, they need to be held accountable. And, mate, you dropped the ball big time. Your first three touches were not of class. And it looked like you were stressing. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like I said briefly, is I don't know whether it's because uh, he was up against the Sharks and that was maybe like a bit of a a struggle for him. Maybe it was just too much of a test so early on. Maybe, maybe it was a bit of intimidation. I don't know. I don't want to make excuses for the bloke. Like, I am more turning to the point where why didn't the dogs, when they noticed that he was struggling all of the first half, not giving class ball, you are still contending for a hundred grand. Yeah. Why didn't you put your better half on? Mm. Or at least put Sexton on to give it a good shot. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just my little take on it. Like, I think he was definitely not outstanding. It looked like he was going through the paces and just barely getting through it. Yeah, and I'll give credit to the boat where credit's due. He controlled the way that they got up the field really well, but it's the attack. So, like, when the doggies were under Trent Barrett, um, he was all defense. He was a defensive coach from Penrith, kind of like Serraldo. And they focused on defense, and when they got into attacking football, they focused on, rather than finishing attacks and scoring points and taking the risks like Broncos do, where they just take risks all the time. Um, love it, by the way. Kind of rate it. Um, is, <laughs> like They focused on defense, went for, for repeat sets, but they would get three or four repeat sets on the line, wouldn't be able to score, lose the ball, make an error, and that's what you do when you have 20 tackles in the opposition half. So it's like, and then you'd come out of it with nothing. But when we started doing well, when Mitt Potter took over as interim coach, he was an attacking coach. And our defense was already pretty solid. The issue was, like, our, we didn't, like, let a whole bunch of line breaks through or anything like that through those years. I mean, some teams put absolute clinics on us, I won't lie. But it was like, our, we would hold up well on defense, but it was just because we'd get tired and we get slammed over and over again, that that was what caused us to be really bad that year, at least in my opinion. And so when Mick yeah. Potter took over and we started getting an attack going was when I thought we looked our best, is when we started attacking more, taking more risks, um, just being more attacking played. And that was, at the, that was mainly with Burton at the helm as well. Now with Drew, he doesn't bring attacking, he brings control. And with his control, he controls too much. He Burton was not getting as much ball as I would have liked. As the eye test goes, and the as a doggy fan, Burton is our key to attack. He needs to get the ball more. He can't just get the ball on the bomb. We can't just rely on the Burton bomb to score points. Although we scored a lot of them last year through the Burton bomb, it, it's, it should be a specialized weapon, and it should not be the only time he gets the ball. Um, but... Yeah, it's. Uh, I was, this is just me spilling about my fucking team and how they need to start <laughs> winning games, bro. I love, I love the passion. I, I really do love the passion. So I don't, I don't mind it at all, and I don't think any of the listeners will mind it either. I would have to agree that Burton needs a needs ball in hand more. Yeah. He's your spark. He's your risk taker. He's the guy that will go. Mm-hmm. 
hit the line, try and draw two, and give some sort of weird pass out to Fox or something like that. You know, he's just the guy that's gonna try. Mm. Now you've got you've got a couple of new blokes in there that will try, like you know, like Stephen Crichton and Bonson Cherry and stuff like yeah. that. But still, if you want to give them primo ball, you give Burton the ball. Or you put Sexton in the half, he'll get you the primo yeah. ball. I think you summed it up very nicely with Hutchinson. He's very good at control, but he's good at like just the fundamentals. You can even call him Mr. Fundamentals, because that's all he knows. He knows how to, he knows how to control, the, control the boys, but he smothers them. Yeah. He takes the flair away, he takes the excitement away. It's almost like he's that guy that goes, no, 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 none of that, none of that. Yeah. You know, not, yeah, it's just how I look at it. I couldn't have said it better myself. But, yeah. On the other hand, though, he's not your only problem, unfortunately. <laughs> Taff needs to hit the road, my bro. Oh, bro, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's disappointing to watch because you saw him play for, I know we mentioned it last week, I believe, or... Whenever, we but we we mentioned it before where Taff, we need to see him at his 2021 grand final run, final series run where he was playing to his strengths, really. And I remember, I just remember watching him and I loved him and I'm pretty sure you hated him and now you you still hate him. You had a little bit of had a little bit of a fairy tale moment where you're like, "He's actually, I actually like him now again." But then now it's gone back to shit, and I'm kind of with you now. Um, where the one thing that I noticed, like distinct, like distinctively, when he was in that final series, was it must have been a, a coaching thing because Wayne Bennett. I don't know. Whenever, like, because he's not the biggest bloke. Whenever Taff would get the ball on the kick return. I remember watching him run full pace straight at the line, not look, not skipping around, not looking for gaps, nothing like that. Straight at the line, trying to get as many meters as possible before he hits the defense. Yeah, we don't see that. We haven't seen that. We, it, no. like it's. I, I just uh, on the attack as well. It just doesn't seem like. I mean, with the bunnies, he was on the outside of Elias. Well, actually. That 21 finals run was outside of Adam Reynolds. So he was getting yeah. beautiful ball, which we can see Reese Walsh gets every fucking week of last year. Um, he gets primo yeah. ball <laughs> on the outside shoulder, and then it's all up to Walsh and his decision-making. Now, not saying Taft's decision-making is bad, because in that final series, he was fucking amazing. Um, and then if he's playing swinging on the left, he's playing outside Cody Walker. Like you're, You've got two of the best halves in the game you're playing on the outside of. But no offense, again, Drew. But you're playing outside Drew Hutchinson and Matt Burden, where Matt Burden probably isn't going to use you as much because he's got two people that he's familiar with, Stephen Crichton and William Kekau, on the outside of him. Like it's, it's not like he's and now the fox as yeah, well, and the fox as well on that left. So it's like he's got three killer targets to decide on who he wants to go to. So it's yeah, I. I I just don't see Taff performing as well as he could. No, and it's it's a shame, you know. Like like you said, I didn't see that final series. I th- that was before my time, so I missed the whole Adam Reynolds at the Bunnies time and Blake Taff when he played that Shit final series. <laughs> but when when I started watching, is you know when I hated him, quote unquote. I don't hate the guy. 
I don't hate anyone. Hate's a strong word. Okay, um, sorry. You had, you had a little bit of a vendetta against him. Yes, just because I thought he was not playing up to his potential or what he could do. How can you call yourself a first grader footy player? And again, this is rich for me because I'll probably never touch a first grade <laughs> footy field in my life. But it's just in comparison to the other young talent out there, he's not up to par. Yeah. And now where I'm sitting with that is maybe it's a like internal thing with him where he's like got so much pressure with all these youngsters coming through, also playing behind um, Latrell. Maybe he's just got so much pressure now that he's trying to perform and play like those guys. Because, you know, Latrell beats players in two ways. He either hits the inside, outside shoulder and hits the line and splits them apart, or he runs over them. Latrell has that in his pocket. Yeah, I think Taff, because he struggles to run over people, he's now looking to hit that hit that space but he's searching for the space too much and putting the meters in his back pocket yeah and i think that's where his game is a lackluster now his hands is another thing for me is like how could do you call yourself a first grade fullback premiership fullback and you can't catch a fucking high ball <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm gonna be devil's advocate in two ways here it it, it was one game where he had an off game. Like, we saw Montoya last year had an off game under the high ball. Um, we saw Ronaldo Molotalo, I'm pretty sure in the exact same game, have a bad game under the high ball. Like, they're quality players and they have bad games. I'm going to... That's that's for the high ball. That's for the high ball argument. But for the Latrell one, I honestly think Latrell is not a run-first fullback. He is a perfectly ball-playing fullback, but he's just so big... Now, when he decides to run, which isn't often, but when he decides, he he scores. Like it's without without yeah. a doubt. He just wants to. I don't know. He just wants AJ to get the scoring record or some shit. I don't know. Um, but I feel like Blake Taft, <laughs> when he was playing in that final series, he was ball playing. He was ball playing all the time. But it, it might be what he was doing in reserve grade because they won like the full reserve grade comp last year, the Bunnies. And he was at the helm of it at the fullback spot. Like, I don't know whether he was just beating people on the outside in that. And now he's just, because he's a step above, he's trying to do that in this. But I think his main strength is ball playing. And I think he needs to go back to that and rely on that first and running second. Because once you're damaging with the pass, you throw it and you've already sold two people on your outside. And maybe even three. You might have even created the gap. Yeah, my counter to that though is how are you going to ball play when you're the only one out the back catching the ball and having to make those first meters to come as far out of your own end as possible? No, no, sorry, I'm, I'm meaning on attack. I'm not meaning. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I fully, I fully get that. I fully understand. And I, I, I agree. But what I'm saying is, you can't. I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. here. I'm just saying you can't just rely on ball playing. But your fullback can't catch a ball and make you a bit of meters. Yeah, no, okay. Because that's catch the ball. I'm I'm saying it's just a bad game. But the meters, yeah. I'm there's no argument for that. He needs to be making more meters off that kick return. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, we we're on the same yeah, page. Yeah. That's just what I'm saying. It's Somewhat. like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and like Lachelle, just real quick, Lachelle's not just my only like thing. Like I said, maybe he's looking across the park at some other youngsters who's making a big name for themselves and he's feeling the pressure, yeah. like. Dream Buller, for example, he's not just a ball playing. Ex- In fact, I believe he's just a run first yeah. fullback. Yeah. 
And he beats blokes on the outside shoulder slash inside shoulder. He put the fins on. We saw him fend Tino last year. Oh. Like, he breaks that space. Don't remind puts me, the bro. Fend on, Don't remind me. <laughs> puts the fend on and beats defenders that way. And a lot of these youngsters that's coming up is just that good. And I think maybe he's feeling the pressure. Maybe he's like, shit, I've got my opportunity to start a fullback in a you know, first-grade team that I'm not playing under some superstar, I need to be that superstar, and now he's struggling. Yeah. I think maybe that's it. Yeah. But I think until he sorts all that out, he should not be playing fullback. They should either play Crichton there, and, you know, Curra should come in, or Connor Tracy, or Eli Clark come into the centers. Yeah. Or you keep, if you keep Steve Crichton at the centers, Josh properly, I think, should get a I think the kid... The only thing there is he's still, I think, too young for first grade. In my opinion, yeah. I think he's still too young. I, I agree with that. I have one person ahead of... Actually, two. I have two. Um, but the second one is debatable. The first one ahead of Papali. Papali. Fire out. Papali. The one person ahead of Papali, <laughs> for sure, is Connor Tracy. Last year for the Sharkies, when he was in reserve grade, played fullback. Played fullback all year. Looked yep. good doing it and we know he's a first grader we know he doesn't have what seems like uh the jitters that Blake Taff has where he has been like he's the number one he thinks he's got the world on his shoulders um whereas Connor Tracy will just get into his work we know he can get into it we know how quality he is and the other debatable one is Jacob Karras I reckon he could fucking kill it at fullback bro for Lebanon in the world cup I fucking loved him he was uh, he's not a supporting, but fuck me, like what? What more do you want as a fullback? Like, we're talking about Taff needing the meters, bro. We know Kiraz has the meters in it. We know he can be damaging. Yeah. Like, we know if he gets one on one with someone, he will like run over someone. Like, it's that, that's that's my my smoky my smoky for fullback for the doggies this year. I rate it. I do rate it. Yeah. I wrote it, yeah. I was waiting for something I else. <laughs> I was waiting for something no, else. I thought you were going to go, but... <sighs> no, no, no I, I agree. How about kicks at fullback? How about that, eh? Like, there's my butt. Kicks at fullback. Come on. I rate man. it. Meter I rate it. Runs. I rate it. Boom 100% flops. agree. No, 100%. <laughs> no I, do, I do rate the Karras pick. I didn't even... It didn't cross my mind. It's, uh, same with the Connor Tracy one. Like, I forgot that he played fullback for the yeah. Sharks last year. Like, when Will Kennedy went out on his injury spell... Connor Tracy stepped up and filled that role perfectly. Yeah. And like you said, oh, no, you said this for Keraz, but <laughs> even Connor Tracy is not, not so much a supporter fullback, like well, the likes of Will Kennedy and stuff, yeah. but he was still amongst it. And yeah. it's just, he will do better, in my he, opinion. Even than at centre, um, he would get into his work for those hit-ups. Like, he wasn't afraid of getting... Getting in and amongst it, unlike uh, certain strike centers, <coughs> Katoni, um, just where they kind of take a backseat and wait for the big plays. Uh, <laughs> okay, so give us your honorable mentions for the game, bro. Um, okay, my honorable mentions. I got. Mm hmm. Curran? Curran? Oh, Joshua Curran, man. So just real quick. Last last week we touched on it and I said Jamin Salmon's my lock. Um, at lock. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> oh my god, the, the play on words. You're such a genius, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
<laughs> Thank me later. <laughs> I thought, you know, Salmon was the guy. Yeah. And then we spoke a little bit about it, and you were like, Curran, don't forget about Curran. And I was like, I'm not forgetting about Curran. I just think, you know, whatever, ball playing, yeah. cool. What the fuck? Curran came out, I swear to God he listened to the podcast, because he came out and just gave me a big fuck you, and ball played everywhere, ran everywhere, just killed everything. And it killed my spirit a little bit, because I was like, I'm wrong, but I love you. <laughs> um, and then just, I've got one honorable. I'll just start hey, yeah? with Curran real quick. Um, he also had the flu. Ah. So that, but better. <laughs> Curran, he flew Curran, too Curran's high. getting me going. Oh, bro, I dropped him in Supercoach. <laughs> no, no, I have to double check that. Did I actually drop him? I did. Oh, well, that was silly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I've got him in super good, so we're good. <laughs> have you got him in the... Oh, you got him in classic? I got him in... Uh, no, I got him in the rubdown draft. Oh, we didn't even touch on the rubdown draft. We'll do it at the end. Yeah, we'll do it at the end. Kathy carrying on. Yeah. I've got one... I've got one honorable mention for the Sharkies. Just a quick note. I, the, the only noteworthy note that I put down for the Sharks was forward pack effort. Tom Hazleton should be a cult hero. Yep. Him and his beautiful bald head. And the head tap. Cam McInnes, yeah. Cam McInnes, just doing Cam McInnes stuff. 43 tackles, only one missed. Again, it's not the highest we've seen him go, but didn't lack any effort. It was just Cam McInnes leading from the front again. And that's my honourable mention for the Sharkies is Cam McInnes. Yep, that's fair. Cam McInnes just yep. doesn't miss a beat. No, he doesn't. He's he's definitely that guy. He is that guy. <laughs> um, my last honourable mention, going back to the dogs, Blake Wilson. Now, I know you got a little bit of a vendetta against the kid for pushing Skelton out last year. It's... But... Uh, okay, okay, okay. Let me just, let me just uh, support myself here because you're throwing out some massive slander. Um, <laughs> oh, no, not even. <laughs> no, I, I do rate Skelton massively. And I want Skelton to have that first team spot. I had a vendetta against him last year because I, I still reckon Skelton should have gotten that spot. But fuck me, in these trials, Blake Wilson has looked fucking good. Oh, hasn't he just? Bro, it's... I'll read, you, I'll read you his game stats for the weekend just real quick because he was a very close contender for Little Ripper. Now, 18 runs for 156 metres, 68 post-contact metres, as a winger, I'll add, 7 tackle breaks, and 1 offload. Hey, man's got into his work. Man's got down and dirty. Uh, Skelton would have done better. <laughs> no. I'm not going to disagree, I like Skelton just as much. <laughs> If people, if uh, you know, for the true listeners that listened the first couple of episodes, I mentioned that I thought Skelton would be firing flames up Fox's ass for that spot. And, but Wilson, bro, dude, I know it's so it's a, such a tough pick. And like, honestly, I don't think the dogs would mind to have that tough pick, having so much in your back pocket that you don't have to worry about a winger going down or someone getting injured because you got so much coverage yeah. is a great thing to have. Mm-hmm. Now, my little ripper for this game, and this is going to sound biased as, but I don't 
here. Bronson Cherry. Speak to me. The man. Speak to me, bro. So here is the stats. 21 runs. Most out of any Bulldog. Or just anyone in, on the field. <laughs> 171 meters. 62 post contact. Four tackle breaks. Bro. Dude, like... Man just kept on going. I love the look of Cherry. For his second game in NRL in like four years. Not even NRL. This is preseason. This is preseason. But against NRL standard players. First game, let's say, first game against NRL standard players. Because I'm pretty sure they played a pretty weak lineup of the Storm, was it last week? Yeah, Storm, yeah. They did play a pretty weak lineup. The only one he had to contain with was Remus Smith. And Remus had played the last game. Yeah. That game, yeah. anyway. Well, he's an ex-doggy, too. Um, just got to throw that out there. Um, so if you did play a mean game, that's because of us. If you play a shit game, that's the Storm's fault. Um, <laughs> but if there's any liking to Cherry and the role that I want him to play, is, I mean, now has he's somewhat a big name because he had such a good year last year, but I want him to play the Herbie role. If Crichton is going to be our other centre, I want Crichton to be doing the big plays. I, I, I have no doubt he's going to be putting in the hard work as well. But I want Cherry to be taking that the majority of that load so that Crichton can have that strike power that he he gets, really. I mean, pretty much all of last year, because, and prob- I think the year before, because Brian Toto was notified, well, was like stamped on everyone's uh, like target list as great runner of the ball. Um, so they were, nobody kicked him after 2021 when they won their first comp. They all kicked to Taylor May. And Crichton was on the center pairing with Brian Toto. So what yeah. what the Penrith Panthers do is they go winger-winger and then center on the side that the wingers kick to. So you, you, you would look at the, the stats. You would see Tungo, 150 run meters. Taylor May, 200 run meters. Toto, 200 run meters. And then you'd see Crichton with like 70. Yeah, And he still had the gas for those big plays. And that's that's kind of what I want Cherry to be. He's still going to have those big plays, I reckon, because I, I I love Cherry. I love the look of him. I think he's going to be like a. I want him to be a lock in. I don't want Serrata to fuck him around. Um, but I'm just yeah, I'm just excited that it's going to leave more gas in the tank for Crichton to yeah to do his thing. I I couldn't agree more. And just going back off our argument for the Sexton Hutchinson, the minutes Cherry played, I think it's already stamped that this dude is going to play. Yeah. That's his position now. And just a quick note, like, I noted down there, we spoke about it last week. Crichton started on the left center, which, okay, I get it. You know, he played left, at, starting left at the Panthers. And Cherry played right, which he played right center at the Sharks before he went on his little ban. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Go look at the go look at the okay, replays. I, I've see... just got one one try that he scored replaying in my head, and it was on the left. But continue. I'll take your word. If for it's it. if it if it's the same try, I'm thinking of it was on the right. But any no, case, because <laughs> he was running the the try I'm thinking of is the camera angles from the po- posts, and he's coming from our left so it's on our left but he's coming from the right field so he would be playing attacking on the right side 
yeah, coming just, down. Just, in any case, yeah, it's not yeah. the point. I don't mind it, although I do prefer him inside of Fox. I just think he looked better there. Yeah. Mainly because a note I put down is Fox and Cherry, love, love, love. They are both two burners just gassing yeah. up the field. The burden bomb went up and they were just there in a flash. I was like, fuck, that's scary. Yeah. Any case, that is my little ripper. He's the goat. Yep. Give him. Uh, yeah, lock it in. Lock it in. Uh, Cherry is the little ripper for that game. Um, just another note. Uh, we love looking at the smaller things, like with... Um, we're going to mention him in a little bit. Um, with one of our favorite players. I'm, I'm actually not going to mention his name. If you know, you know. One of our favorite players, we loved his kick chase when we first saw him. And Cherry has that same kick chase. Oh, you're trying to think of who, who I'm talking about, eh? There's one person, yeah. bro. There's one person that we froth over all the time. We watched him last week, and all we like the thing I love talking about was his kick chase, and he was always there up in the line for that first contact on the kick chase. You still can't think of it, can you're you? Have to, no, you're going to have to spit it out now. <laughs> here's, here's your hint, bro. I'm doing a hint so that the listeners don't know it. I'm taking a fat L right now. <laughs> how do I? How do I do? I'm trying to spell it out for you. Are you trying Bro, to tell dude, me? I'm look, a loser? look, right, right. This is yeah, gonna be hilarious. Okay. Look, what's that letter? Yeah, what's that letter? L A. Yeah. Oh, you, you said it now. Come on, who starts with? Lay yeah, in. you fucking idiot. Layman for daily M. Yeah, Layman for daily M. Um. <laughs> No, last we'll get last week we <laughs> last week we loved his kick chase and his tackle efficiency. Yes, Sherry's kick do. chase is something that I love as well. Him and Fox were always there, and that's something that we lacked last yeah. year because Fox was always chasing hard, but then he'd have to wait in the line for the rest of the line to well wait on the spot for the rest of the line to come up because if let's be fair, last year Fox was trying to make a one-on-one tackle, we'd get dusted most of the time. Yeah, look, he tried it in the trials and got dusted, but the thing I loved the most was the fact that Birdo and Cherry was right there to back him up, and that was just something for the whole game that speaks volumes, is the defense, the scramble, the, the dogs just looked like they wanted to fight for each other, and yeah. again, I don't think the Sharks would have won without the errors. If there wasn't so many errors, the Sharks would have lost that game. Yep, yep. I agree. I agree. Um, hold on, I'm just seeing if anyone actually picked him up. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> Wait, what? Hold on. Oh, no, this is terrible. i got to fucking stop. Yeah, okay. Um. <laughs> so, oh, on to the next game, bro. So, this one I actually watched. So, yeah. I'm going to start us off. I'm going to start us yeah, off go. with Shoot. the Knights v. the Storm. Now, fuck, I'm trying to jog my memory of what the game actually looked like. Oh, Knights, something looked wrong. Something looked wrong with the Knights. Like, they just looked just a step behind each other. Like, not all the timing was right. I don't know what it was. I got to say, their forwards were atrocious, apart from one man. Um, there was no meters made by the Saifidi brothers. I remember seeing them hit the line, probably make like a meter, and in total, boom, they got six meters. Because the line speed for the Storm were immaculate. Uh, as per usual, it's just a, it's like a storm thing. Every year, their line speed is something that they focus on heavily, and it showed dividends against the Knights. Yeah, 
it definitely did, and I would have to agree wholeheartedly. There was something just not clicking in the nights, and you know, KP played little minutes, but even when he played, he just looked disjointed. It was like something, the communication wasn't there. Yeah, something just you know, it just like you said, didn't click. And for me, something I did pick up is the fact that I think they were predictable, very predictable. What, what do you mean? So, did you see them go to the right at all? I mean, I can think. Oh, Besides okay, the so try, I've got, I've got one, one note. Armstrong when he came on on the right, um, I thought he looked good, but I did notice like there was a few errors coming off him when it when the ball got to him on the right. Yeah. Now here's a little little factoid for you factoid <laughs> uh one one play in the storms 20 i'd say yes. they went left four out of five times huh yeah they played the short side so it started in the middle of the park they went left left again went right fucked up went left and left again four out of five times Cogger ran himself out of room because it was the set, the winger center, then the ruck, and he played left. Anyway. You're fucking joking. I didn't even notice that. No. So you're telling me that because Dom Young isn't there on the right, they don't have any faith? Or, like, what is it? What do you think? No, it, just their hands looked absolutely atrocious when they did go right. So early on in the game, Ponga went for a play, went through the hands, ball went out. Yeah. Second one, it got between the halves. Somewhere it went wrong. It didn't even make it to Ponga. It just dropped ball. Fire out. Then Anari Tuala dropped the ball like two or three times on that side. Um, although, shout out, he did score a try there. Great cutout ball by Ponga. If he fucked it up, it would have been the end of Anari Tuala because I don't like the guy. We'll get to that. You've got me fucking shocked. I did not even, like, I wasn't even thinking of. The amount of times they were going which way. Like, especially because last year, probably one of the best players that they had all year, or like the defining player of the Knights running over people, was, oh, there's like an awesome video that Fox Lee put up, and it has Joey Johns commentating. And it's the play in the finals when they play the Raiders. Um, first week of finals, they played the Raiders, and they're in their own like twenty or something. They're they're really close to their their own line, their own try yep. line, and they go the short side. There's three people on the play. It's Crossland out of dummy half, and then it's Gamble, Dan Gagai, and Dominic Young. And it was all quick hands yep. all on the short side. It was three v two. It was all quick hands. Dom Young gets some space, and then that was when because it was a night's home final, you see the whole crowd behind Dom Young as as you're watching him run down. All the crowd is like getting behind him. They're like they're cheering for him so hard. And I remember yep. um, um, Jordan Rapiner goes for him, but because Dom Young had so much gas, he just cleared him easy. Didn't need to do any of that, like skipping the leg in front to dodge the ankle tap. He cleared him easy, and then it was just thrown to the try line. And there's like the commentating of um, Andrew John saying like this is the best he's ever seen the Newcastle fans. Like he never saw them this like this good when he was playing or anything like that. And I think that was defining for the confidence that the Knights had last year and what, what they need to get back 
is that confidence to see the number the numbers on the short side and to just go for it and have a oh my god pardon the pun but have a gamble um <laughs> but it's, I write the plan words. <laughs> it, it seemed it seemed like yeah well now just like thinking about it you're not wrong like they, they would have been super predictable and with um with the storm mainly like the way that they defend in my opinion is they go man for man but if they get someone beaten on the outside they've got people covering like jerome hughes yeah. and cameron munster i know cameron munster wasn't there this time but them two and their the two second rowers are always covering they're always sliding to cover and it's something that really suffocates teams that go out to the wing which the knights do a lot with yes. both of their wingers last year getting in the top five try scorers or something so so, dude, um, you actually yeah. made me think about that way more than I ever, I ever thought I would. The only reason I picked up on it was because I was sitting here going, David Armstrong, he's a kid to watch. He's going to replace Dom Young. He's exactly what they need to replace Dom Young. He's got that speed. He's got that grit. He's got just the will. And I was saying to James before the game, I was like, this kid is one to watch. He's going to break in and just absolutely kill it again. And... I just was so excited to see him play there. Yeah. But one, he got crappy ball when it went to him, and I think it only went to him about three or four times. And the rest of the time, it just went left. It really irked me. I was like, and obviously, just from like a, a game point of view, it helped the storm out so much in their win because they could just predict it and slide left. They didn't have to jam because they knew it was going that way. Yeah. They didn't have to, to worry about it flicking the other way. So they just stacked the numbers on, on the left, and they'd cover. Yeah, yeah. It, That's why Greg Marju had a had a shitter, even though he got so much ball. It's because the storm was just there to shut him yeah. down. Yeah, it's something that I noticed as well when KP broke through that line um, to put uh, Bradman Best over. He got on the outside of the 18-year-old 5'8". Because Pezzett wasn't on the field, I don't think. And he just ran on the outside of him. So, like, 18, 19-year-old. Because he was in the... When Penrith won all four comps, he was in the SG ball side and he hit the winning goal for them against... I think it was the Doggies. Um, <laughs> so, him being the person that... Like, that KP beat. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, oh, KP's going to be killing it again this year. And kind of why I don't want to touch him in draft, um, but it's it's yeah. I, just thinking about it, I don't, I don't know, man. I just I thought it was either a step too slow, or the timing wasn't right. I thought that the line, like the balls going out the back, weren't challenging the defensive line enough. They weren't attacking the line, and when they were giving it, it was very deep. And I understand if it's very deep for KP, but Gamble isn't that fast. Gamble shouldn't no. be getting it that deep. Like, KP sh- like, should be getting... Like, he should be getting it flat ball and, like, hitting that line or he should be getting it deep where he can then have time to make the ball-playing decision. But, yeah. Okay, we're just shitting on the Knights, Manly. <laughs> yeah. Look, let's just look on the other side of the park real quick and go over some of the Storm players. Nick Meany looked good in centres. Yeah. I was a bit worried. I... 
I was a bit worried, but he looked good. He retains the kicking duties, though. Yes. So I don't know whether that is because they don't want to risk it with Pappy or what it, it whatever it may be, but it's good for Supercoach. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's good for us who don't have Pappy. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's one point. Tui Kamikamika, bro. Game. Dude, playing in your home country yeah. just must be something different. Look, I thought he was a bit of a mongrel, to be honest. Like, he wanted to scrap... I can't remember who he wanted to scrap, but he wanted to scrap somewhere. He was upset about something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> He's just riled up for the home fans. <laughs> He's giving them a show, bro. I love that. Oh, he was. Uh, he was. Another another thing for me, just real quick on the Storm, Tyron Wishart. So, me and James had a quick conversation about yep. it. And... <sighs> I'm not very fond of Tyron Wishart. Yeah. Purely because of the reason I think he's a bit lackluster again. Yeah. Favorite word now. <laughs> the thing is, though, brutally honest, his defense needs no work. His defense is pretty good. Yeah. He makes good reads, great tackles. I think he just hesitates too much on attack. So he gives slow ball or late ball, or he just mm. doesn't get anyone on the front foot. So the, the lead runner will come through. They'll go sweet my ball he'll be too late so they'll start thinking no it's going out the back sweet as i don't have to worry and then all of a sudden the ball's right there so i've seen it a couple times where he gets the ball it's too late too flat and the guys start fumbling it and they just get smoked on the line because they just weren't ready for Mm. it that's just a big thing i know we don't have to worry about it too much because harry grant obviously he's the guy Mm. It's just a quick little note that I thought about. It's just, I think if he works on his, his mental side of the game, we might see Tyron Wishart break out a little bit yeah. and just start becoming more consistent. Yeah, yeah. I I do like Tyron Wishart, but like like you said, he just doesn't really have a lot of... Um, he's solid, but he's not the answer to anything. He's, he's kind of like Drew Hutchinson. Like, unironically... <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. We said he, they like. We both pretty much said they don't have that spark and attack. But Wishart is doing Drew Hutchinson's role of the last few years at the Roosters, but at the Storm, where he can fill any role you want and do a good job defensively, but on attack is where you miss out on your starting choice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So. Mm. <laughs> so okay. Are you gonna fire away your? Honorable mentions for Lil Ripper. I don't have any honorable mentions. I just had my Lil Ripper. My my nominee. Yes. Tweet Kamikamika was is my yeah. is my uh, nominee. I'll give you his stats real quick. Sixteen runs, hundred and seventy one meters, eighty six post contact meters, two hundred oh. 200, Jesus Christ. <laughs> two tackle breaks. Oh, bro, 200 two tackle, tackle breaks. <laughs> Some, like, rugby no, 05 tackle. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he came with a vengeance. No, two tackle breaks, uh, 21 tackles made, which is a little bit light on the lighter side, but no misses and no errors. That's... I'm pretty sure he's one of the only players um, to have no errors. One of, not the only. Yeah. One of. Well, uh, we can say one of the few that played solid few. minutes and still made no errors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that... got to rule out the whole Knights back line. Um, 
so I'll stop shitting on the Knights because my my nominee for Little Ripper of uh, of the game is actually Leo Thompson. Now, elaborate. He last year he got his flowers a little bit more. People started recognize him, but my God, he looked like the only alpha in that Knights forward pack. He was dominating. He just he looked so fucking angry. It was. This is going to sound like not weird or anything, but he looked like a young clone of Fisher Harris. And I reckon him being in that Kiwi squad when they fucking pumped Australia 30 nil, um, and learning from Fisher Harris in that team where he did have a captaincy role and was a leader as well. Seeing how a duo works with Leota, I reckon that just did dividends for Leo Thompson's game. He looked fucking amazing. This is, I don't have any stats to back it up. I don't have the stats. You're the stats, man. I just go off the eye test, and he looked like a fucking alpha. Look, the biggest determining factor there is he passed the eye test on a losing side. Yeah. And just for that, purely alone, just on that, I think he should be our little ripper for the game. Okay, yeah, fuck, I'll take the win. Yeah, <sighs> okay. Yeah, <sighs> well, we'll give it. We'll give it. <laughs> mm. So, that is the Night Storm. Next game, we have the... Oh, oh Mighty man. fucking Warriors, The baby. Warriors. Oh, oh. The bread and butter. Against the Finns. <laughs> yeah, against the Finns. Hey, we, we love the Finns. We love the Finns. They're, they're not... They're, they're like a team, the team you can't hate. Like, if you hate the Finns, you hate rugby league. I don't I don't think of it like that. I just think if you hate the Finns, you're just a hater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you. you're just you're the old man that yells at Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to just start off with the fact that I only watched from the 55th minute onwards... Did mention it earlier. Had my radio show. Try to watch on the side. Um, if I mention stuff that I saw that happened in the first half, I did watch highlights afterwards. Try to watch the whole game. Ran out of time. Um, but yeah, uh, shoot with your first point, bro. So a couple things, which I found a bit weird. The Finns ran out with four of their starters, four of their most star pat. Well, four. Of their star power, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Any case, four of the four of their most important players yes. off the field didn't even run out with the field. Was stayed in the sheds. Who were that? Yeah. So that was Herbie Farnworth, mm-hmm. Finn Diesel, and I can't remember the other two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, could it but, be Jesse and Kenny? No, Jesse and Kenny definitely... No, it was Jesse was one of them. Kenny... No, it was Kenny. Uh, it was one of the Bromwich brothers, yeah. I believe. And I think it might have been... Um, was it Ray Stone? No. no, I'm pretty sure I saw Ray Stone playing. Anyways, continue with your point. Yeah. Yeah. any case, four important players, regardless. Herbie being one of them. Yeah. Not on the pitch to start. And the Waz took full advantage. The Waz looked so strong early. And I put that down to more, not just the Finns not having those players there, but also the Waz first, like, opening minutes was a full Waz team, minus chance. Yeah. And 
they just looked fantastic. They're just, I just, uh, yeah, I can't, can't point it out enough. Mm. I, I have to agree. I mean, I mean, I obviously didn't see who ran out. So I can't really have my points on the Finns team that ran out first. But from looking at the team list last week, it looked like it was a fairly strong side. And with with the Finns, it's like you you can give or take a few positions here or there because it's like Wayne Bennett. Like they're all that when they first came into the comp, they were all players that weren't getting spots at their old teams. So it was like anyone could take a spot. I kind of feel like it's still like that now. Especially with that center spot, like there's that one center spot where three blokes are fighting for it. Um, but with them running out like that, yeah, I, I understand where it's confusing. Um, I'm just quickly brought it up. Um, so I think it was Jesse. Jesse did not play. Uh, Kenny Bromwich yep. was on the bench as well. Herbie was and yep. and Gilbert. Gilbert was on the reserves as well. Yeah. Yes. So it was Herbie. Felice Cafusi, Tom Gilbert, and Kenny Bromwich. Yeah. And that could be just, um, even though Gilbert ended up doing his ACL, we wish you the best in your recovery, brother. Um, but it would have been to protect yeah. him. Um, but yeah, that's just it's super unfortunate for the bro. Missed out uh, most of the last year with his shoulder, and now he's missing all of this year with his ACL. Um, if you need to call anyone, bro, don't call us. Call Pappy. He's been in the same boat with his injury run so just from the rip and tear podcast wish you all the best bro um yeah but even says here Isaiah Katoa started on the bench yes as well buzzy yeah which kind of he didn't stay on the bench for too long because SOS went in for tackle very early got his head on the wrong side just looked a bit too eager and got stoned uh, yeah. <laughs> very unfortunate for the bro. He's all good. He, he did all, he end up coming runs. back on? No, no. So he failed his HIA, but he looked in high spirits on the bench, and yeah. he should probably be back for round one. But in saying that, Cody Nikarima stepped in that role as Akatoa came in at six, and Cody cleaned up. He looked so good at the seven jersey. It was actually scary. Do you, okay. Do you reckon he was actually playing the seven jersey though? Because I don't know. I, I know. I see Cody as a six and a six or a fullback. Like he is. He is the attacking flair in the halves. Oh my god. We need him. The doggies need him. Sign him up now. Um, no, <laughs> we don't need to sign any more people. We've signed so many. Um, but no, like in terms of... I always loved Cody for his cutout balls. And he'd always pick fucking mean. It was so good. But when SOS was out last year, Isaiah Katoa was the one playing seven. And I think he did a really good job playing seven. Like there was times where he didn't really get around the park as well as SOS would have. Like his kicking game is definitely a step down from SOS. But yeah, that's what I'm just throwing out there. I would have thought that Cody would have played the six role more attacking, more outside of Katoa, rather than the opposite. Yeah, look, thinking back at it, you're probably right. Katoa probably did step into the seven role. Uh, I just didn't pick up on it because yeah. I thought, you know, obviously Katoa would come in the six. Regardless, though, um, if that's the case, Katoa looked awesome at seven and he controlled the team. 
beautifully, mm-hmm. and they the fins shouldn't worry too much if they don't have SOS because if Kato can do a good job like that, and Cody can just run amok and have creative freedom, they can be very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Another point for me though, Hammer was missing in action once again. He had two touches where he looked promising and got shut down. Kudos to the the Waz, but again, if he's your your star fullback like he was last year, you need him to perform a lot better than that. And saying that though, TCNU had a game. Like had a game. (laughs) As much as I want him to do well, I want Tabare to have that spot. Call me biased. Oh yeah, no same. But no same. No, definitely call me biased. I am being very biased. I fucking love Tafari, <laughs> bro. He, uh, we'll get we'll get to it because I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quickly do a, a few of my uh, my notes that I wrote down that were more on the lighter side. Um, so I wrote down that Herbie is still fucking hot, um, and Roger, you can have my firstborn child. I might call my firstborn child, and you've already you've heard this before. And one other friend has heard this, but I was going to call my firstborn Andy for one of my favorite DJs. Yeah. Um, but Andy Sandy doesn't really work that well. So I was going to call him Andrew. <laughs> so I might call him Andrew Roger Sandy. Or Roger like Roger it. Andrew Sandy. Oh, wait, actually, Andrew is a good middle name too. Uh, that might be it. But yeah, Roger, if you keep on performing like this, you can definitely have my firstborn. Um I think I think if we're going off the theme of that, I'd go. My firstborn name should be Roger. No, Sean Roger Dallin Webster. No, no <laughs> just like just have an abbreviation, and then you've just locked them yeah. all in. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, and my final one was uh, I. I've mentioned it. Uh, I think we mentioned it on the radio show because we had the debate over Pompey or Rocco Berry getting that center spot. And we've now dubbed it the Berry Ball. Oh my fucking God. The Berry Ball. Oh my... That is my penis hitting the desk. Oh my God, I've got a heart on. The Berry Ball is so fucking sexy. So for those that don't know the Berry Ball, the Berry Ball is when SJ is going out to the right. He has either a prop or a second rower hitting the short ball. But just outside him, like a shadow, Rocco Berry is hitting that short ball as well. And they're basically hitting on the... They're making the middle guy... They're running on the outside and the inside of one defender. I think they try and target the half when they do it. Not sure. I haven't really looked into that part, though. Um, But they're forcing him to make a decision. And because you've got... like I'm pretty sure last year they had Adam Fanua Blake running that short ball. And with when Adam Fanua Blake is running at you... You can't one-on-one tackle him. So it's you're forcing him to go for Adam Fanua Blake, but then Rocco Berry has a one-on-one. And if he's running that inside ball, it's like in touch. That inside ball can be very deceptive of how hard it is to actually get just a finger. Just a finger. This is in touch. Just a finger to him. And Chance normally sweeps out the back, and then it's a two-on-one if everything works out well and you don't hit the, rocket, the Berry ball. But, oh, my God, we yeah. saw it. And oh my god, it got me fucking going. Um, clean through, clean through, like a hot butter through 
hot butter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. A hot knife through butter. Fuck. Oh, bro, you're on it today. <laughs> I am on it today. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it was so sexy. So sexy to see. But actually, I'm pretty sure that berry ball, we're, we're going back to him, is where Tafade actually did make a play at it, I believe. Yes. And yes. we mentioned to, about Tafade a couple weeks ago now that we want to see him with the efforts. Like we want to see him making the efforts in, in the harder places. Now, the easiest way to see that, as we mentioned, was the chase downs. If he's chasing as hard as we see Dominic Young chase, then that's good signs. But last year, I saw him trip over a couple of blokes here and there. So it just didn't look like it was there. But my God, for him to be so close to making that one-on-one tackle with Rocco Berry... Like on Rocco Berry, ends up cutting his face, got his boot, and Berry had to like skip over the line to get it down. It, it just shows that he is really looking like he's putting everything on the line for this starting spot, and I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah. A note that I put down on the house, very similar, is I needed to see him do a lot more of the little plays, not just running the big boom fuzz. Yeah. I needed to see him do the little things right. And his gas tank improved. And he played a lot of minutes in this game. Mm. I know him and TCU subbed out a lot, but he played a good solid minutes. And his efforts were everywhere on the park. Everywhere there was a tackle to be made, he was there. He was a man in that tackle. And uh, like, again, the berry ball, the fact that he could make that call to go, I'm going to hit Rockerberry here and almost stop that try, which is... Again, a very impossible try to stop yeah. if executed properly, which it was. Just sums up how how much work he put in the off season. Yeah. And again, like I would have to agree, and it's not biased. I don't think it's biased. I think he deserves that spot more than anyone. Not saying Tissinu doesn't deserve it, but Mans went out last year after Wayne Bennett went. You're too fat. You're a fuckwit. <laughs> Whoa! Well, looks... Wait, qu- not quote unquote. <laughs> not quote unquote. That's just verbatim. Verbatim. <laughs> it's just a dribble yeah. but hear me out this is what happened in the locker rooms I'm going to sum it up for you <laughs> Wayne Bennett walked in the house was sitting there he goes my man you're looking more like a hotel not a house you need to go lose some kegs <laughs> <laughs> and Wayne Bennett probably walked out going he won't be back he's not going to lose it we're probably going to shaft him to uh, reserve grade or to the front rows this man went out and turned himself into a movable house and lost 10 kgs <laughs> And is actually looking ripped. And the gas tank has improved. We can all see it. And to top it all off, Wayne Bennett went back to him and said, oh, cool, you lost the weight. Your defense is still shit. And he went, hey, man, I'm just going to call, you know, AA security real quick and unlock my security skills. (laughs) And uh, he locked it down. He is now a defender. That is one of the greatest dribbles I have heard in such a long time. And I love it. That was quality the house was a hotel now a movable house you know like he's he's not he's not like hey oh what would i can't i can't even think of it bro i can't even i can't even add on to that that was too quality that was too quality the house yeah i i want him to have a spot i want him to have a spot even even if it's on the bench because if they're running with no utility on the bench i want him there and even if he comes on for 15 minutes in the middle, I want to see him with that effort every week. Because then we know 
that he's still fighting for it. He is still fighting for that spot, yeah. and if he gets a sniff, it will be his. I think I will not. Not I think I know I will not accept anything less than Tafari starting in the centers. Also, I think it's his to lose. Tessinu put up a great fight. Tessinu played beautiful, beautifully, and he did all the efforts as well. But I think it's the houses to lose. When he came on, they just looked so much better. Yeah. And if it, if it ends up being the latter and Tessinu gets that spot, I would have to agree that Tafari goes to the bench, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for Tafari, um, oh, sorry, for Tessie and the Tafari debate, um, something we've seen in the past with Tessie is he can kill it in a few games, but he doesn't normally like do it week to week. He is a very up and down player. Um, so we haven't seen what well, we've seen games from Tafade where it's, it's like he stays around the same level. He killed it in his first game, no doubt, but he didn't reach that height again. He kind of just mellowed out, but with his, the areas where he needed to improve, we've seen improvement. We've seen determination. And it doesn't look like he's going to let off the gas at any point. So that's been completely biased. And making a making a justification for putting Tafade and, and Tessie out. I still, I still think it's Tessie's because of how well he's played in the preseason. But I reckon it's going to be two games. If Tessie has two bad games, he's out. He's gone. Yeah. 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 Um, last last thing I want to mention on the Waz, okay, because we fucking love the Waz. Up the fucking Waz. Um, you also got a story to tell after this. Uh, Metcalf. We mentioned it last week how he looked really good at halfback, and he was playing halfback last week. Yes. Um, and how his defense was really good. His one on ones were a lot better. Oh my god, he's looking like he's rounding out his game as a half really well. Now, when before he came to the Warriors, he came from the Sharks and he was playing reserve grade. And he only really ever played reserve grade. I think he played maybe one or two games in first grade. Not 100% sure. But he was always a fullback. And you could tell that with his game last year. He was very supporting role. Um, he was always there in support like when someone made a break. But when it came to his confidence on the left, teams really noticed in the finals at least that that left wasn't as much of a threat. It was basically, if you had numbers, he wouldn't really know what to do. He'd run it. Um, but now, we saw last week and this week, he now has a kicking game. And with RTS on his outside, yeah. the eyes aren't all on him. We've seen RTS no. still as the king. Um, so it's it's like now RTS has to be worried about and Metcalf. And that gives Metcalf the option to... If he doesn't know what to do, hey, give it to RTS early. And then RTS can do what he fucking does best and just, I don't know, somehow get through the line. But I'm just, I'm really loving Metcalf at six this year. Um, and I think that's partially due to the full preseason training in the halves and RTS being on the outside. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that in a sense. Like, I know I was writing Chanel so hard, and I'm kind of eating my words. And look, there could be worse cases to be eating your words, yeah. but this is not one of them. This is amazing to to be saying like this kid's just come in and absolutely performed and knocked the house down. Well, not the actual house, <laughs> just 
No, no. <laughs> not the actual house. But a thing that I noticed is, like you mentioned, he's a, he was a, a fullback once upon a time. He's now going to be one of the greatest sixes to grace the field. Yeah. He ran some fullback lines. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but there was times in the game where, again, I don't know how exactly it's panned out, where the like how the passes went through the hands, but he came around the outside of RTS and ran that second man to the line, like a fullback you would. You know, you wrapped like a fullback would. So, and he got the ball there and broke the line. So, just in perspective, because we know what we've described, what the rock, the berry ball looks like, right? Where you've got the second yeah. row and the center running that short ball. And Chance yes. would normally be the one sweeping up the back at fullback. So you're yes. saying RTS is maybe not hitting the line, but he's standing in the line. And instead of instead of being the 5-8 getting the ball next, it's the center getting the ball and he's sweeping behind the center? No. So I, I believe... Yes, yes, it could work that way. But I believe it missed the center as well and just went straight to Mecca. Oh, okay. So it was like there was two decoy runners coming through. Yeah. And he got the ball and hit the line and just cleared I it. love that. Like I love that. Yeah, looked... Looked very dangerous. It happened, I think, two or three times, and every time it looked dangerous. One of the, oh yeah, one out of the three times he did not get the ball, but because he, he did it twice already, the traction was on him. Ball went to RTS. RTS hit the line. I was like, was, okay. Was that the one where <laughs> SJ got through? No, no. So the one where SJ got through was when RTS moved to fullback. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Which is which was a. Fucking phenomenal play. Artis came around the right. Ball went out the back from SJ, I believe. Artis uh, hit the line, fended, well, footwork fend, hit the line, popped the ball out the back, so SJ wrapped yeah. around. Ball went to SJ, SJ clear through a hole, and for some reason, there was just not enough support. Yeah. Yeah. So, it didn't end up in a try. I believe they scored later on in that set, but it, yeah, just unfortunately, but beautifully executed. It just shows RTS never missed anything. Yeah, no, I, I, I just love the fact that RTS is still the man. He is still the guy that we knew before he left. Um, yeah, and something that I need to mention just quickly about Metcalf before we go on to our little ripper. Um, if there's any any player in the comp that looks like a young SJ and that will be able to learn from SJ based off his whole career, like SJ is not what, who he was 10 years ago. SJ is now a complete halfback who controls the game and has great decision-making. But back then he was electric. He was fast. He was a game-breaker. He could... You get the ball and you're like, what is SJ going to do? He's going to do something. Could never kick. And I always shat on him for that. Um, but if there's one person to learn from SJ and becoming a half is Metcalf. Metcalf looks yep. like he has the mold of young SJ. And, oh, dude, it just gets me going so much. Spit an image. It's so Spit good. an image. Yeah. 
No, I couldn't agree more. And just a quick, like, thing to add to that is, I think the reason Metcalf is looking so good is, like, there's a handful of um, involvements there. I think Andrew Webster sat him down at the end of last season and in this preseason and went, look, mate, you're great, you're good, but this is some of your work-ons. You hesitate too much. You, you're you just looking like you're going through the paces. Yes, you have great support play, but this is some things we need you to work on. And I think he sat him down before the trials and went, look, mate, I don't care how many errors you make. I don't care how many times you get stopped. I just want you to see... I want to see you play hesitantless footy. I want you to just to go out there and the first thing that pops in your mind, you do. And I think that just brought the spark and why he's looking so much better. And another thing for me is like, obviously having RTS outside of him, that experience and just that knowledge would bring some ease to him. And maybe that's why he's also looking a bit more comfortable. Yeah. But then the other thing, just touching on SJ, just real quick, SJ came out and said in an interview that he's not looking at retiring anytime soon. He thinks his body is fit enough and he's well enough to play another season, another couple of seasons. Fucking love that. He's loving it. Yeah, <laughs> we all love that. It's looking good for the Waz. It's looking <laughs> fucking great for the Waz. He said the only way he'd probably retire is if Andrew Webster and the club said, look, it's been great, but we've had it. You know, and he said, even if that happens, he would still love to stay and be a part of the system because he has so much to offer to the youngsters, he believes. And I couldn't agree with that statement anymore because I think the the knowledge he brought and probably the guidance he brought to Metcalf is the reason why Metcalf is looking the way he is. That's just my little take on it. I don't blame you. Um, Now, I don't mention you had a little story. And as we're on the topic of SJ, fire away, my bro. <laughs> so, yeah, we were driving back from getting burgers, actually, Smash Burgers um, and Devo, beautiful place. We were driving back, and I was like, we were talking about the footy. I was like, SJ, you know, we were saying he was in Takapuna earlier that day. He was taking his kid out for a little park, whatever. We drove past, and I... Um, Jay said, oh, there's SJ. I think it's SJ. And I was like, no, fuck it. It's not, it's not, whatever. We're not going to see him. Dude's in his brand new um, Range Rover, pulls up past, and I'm yelling out the window. I'm like, up the wires, up the wires. And like, we turned the music right down, and he just like, you know, slams on the anchors, and he's like, all I could hear is this voice go, up the wires. <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. And um, uh-huh. just, I think it's just fate, because as it had it, I was wearing his 200th game graphic tee and we were sitting in the, sitting in the traffic. And if you can picture it, he was in the right lane. We were in the left at the lights. Now I wasn't driving. So I took my shirt off. I gave it to the driver, Damo, shout out Damo. You're a real MVP here. (laughs) He held this shirt out the, out the window, like a flag waving it about flailing, looking like a, dickhead <laughs> well we were all yelling sj up the was blah 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 and he's waving this thing around i'm holding the steering wheel trying to keep up he's it was just pure beautifully executed teamwork i don't know what you'd call it yeah it was teamwork to watch team yeah that's it, it, that that's way. it. <laughs> and yeah he just cracked a joke laughed it looked like he was rummaging i thought he was gonna chuck some tickets my way but it didn't <laughs> <laughs> 
was going to the god box I really to get block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was just a great memento, and I just, yeah, it was awesome. So, sorry about that, guys. We just had a little cut there because I was getting a phone call from my little sister who cannot seem to fucking get off the couch and walk downstairs. Um, <laughs> so apologies for that. But let's let's get um, straight into the little ripper. Now, I've got an honorable mention um, because we know he would have won it if he fucking played, but apparently he didn't. Um, and that is Laban, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Our favorite person in the whole world. Come on the Come podcast. On the podcast um. <laughs> He didn't even get a single minute, which is sad to see. But, you know, never never wish an injury on a bloke. But, uh, I mean, if someone happens to go to Cape Wells' house and does his kneecaps, uh, yeah, I would like, even on the field. So yeah, look, the last <laughs> note of the game I put down, just to support you on this, is no Laban has me absolutely fucking fuming. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen him just 15 minutes. Yeah, That's all. even 10. Uh, bro, two. If he did, if he made even two runs. Even 50 seconds, I'm but happy. it didn't fucking happen. I need to call set. up the unks, Uncle Webby, and be like, mate, Uncle, <laughs> what are you up to, my bro? <laughs> Give him the full, sup, unks? Oh, what happened to Laban? You all good? <laughs> Where's Laban? You all good, bro? You on something Except. today? You're missing out. Um, yeah. So, Laban not on there. That's the first honorable mention. That's my only honorable mention because I don't normally have them. But uh, you fire away. I do. I do. So, I'll start with my honorable mentions for the Finns. TCNU, like we said, touched on. Great game. The house. Yeah. The mobile house now. <laughs> yeah. And Flegler. Um, <laughs> Flegler is a big one for me. He was almost a little ripper for me, just purely because he got through some work. He was one of the most outstanding forwards on the field. It's just, he really, yep. he was in Paynas' shadow at the Bronx, and now he's casting his own, and I absolutely fucking love it, and I just want to see more of it. Yeah. Moving on from that, my honorable mentions for the Waz, Rocco Berry, as much as I hate to say it, he is better than Pompey. <laughs> he is better than Pompey. I'm glad to... I, I'm fine with eating my words there. Metcalf. Again, Metcalf just keeps getting better. And I I just love it. I just love to see it. My last honorable mention is Capewell. I thought Kirk Capewell came on and played like he had something to lose. And he just... Yep. Yeah. Well, well, he does. He's got yeah, sniffing his butt. But he just performed. I just I really love the effort there. But then yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, another one, sorry. My last one. Anafanoa Blake. He was a big one for me, but it's just Anafanoa Blake things. So Yeah, week in week in, week out, he's a workhorse. We know that. Yeah. Yep. And he's damaging as fuck. So who is your nominee for, for Little Rippers? None other than RTS. And I'll give you the stat line. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give Chris you Paul. a stat line. Hey, oh my god. If I name him Roger and make his middle name something beginning with T, I can have an <laughs> RTS trial. Holy, that just clicked. That just clicked. 
I'm totally doing that. Sorry, Andy. C, you're not getting you're not getting the name. That's okay. But you you can bounce. I'm gonna I'm gonna have an RTS. I read it. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give you RTS's um, stat line real quick for the game. Seventeen runs for 196 meters, 106 post contact meters, two line break assists, eight tackle breaks, three offloads. It was just phenomenal, phenomenal footy. It's like we said multiple times, broken record over here. Never missed a beat. Never skipped a beat. Yeah. Yep. No, not once. Um, I agree, but, but I'm going to throw up another nominee and we can have a little debate about it. And we actually haven't mentioned him yet, but the, me, when, when I was playing rugby league, I mainly played uh, hooker. Me being me, loving a hooker, always the smallest bloke on the team, but always putting in heaps of work. So I just, I, I had my eyes on hookers a lot more. That sounds really wrong out of context. <laughs> I was, I just wanted you to run with that, actually. Um, <laughs> and so I was just, Don't like, clip it. Uh, Don't clip sitting it. sitting in the smile on my face. I was like, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> I just love looking at hookers, bro. Um... <laughs> Window shopping at its finest. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Look, you, you work on this tier. No, so, You've just gone up like uh, two uh, levels to this tier. <laughs> bro, give me... I, I need a digger. Like, the shovel isn't back working. Pedal, I need back a bigger pedal, back hole. Back pedal, back pedal. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let me just rewind real quick. Um, Wade Egan. Not, not hookers. Wade Egan, the Warriors hooker. See, it still sounds wrong, bro. I'm saying it, and it just still sounds bad. Uh, the dummy half that fools and makes everyone look like dummies. Um, Wade Egan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we always talk about some of the deceptive hookers in the comp. Like, you got Harry Grant, who was definitely running and deceptive, but you got Appy Coruscant, who was probably deceptive the most. Bro, Wade Egan, that ball that he gave to Mitch Barnett, First off, he's scooting from dummy half. So first off, you've got to watch the markers to make sure they're not hard, like on you hard. And so he runs out front left. Like He runs out to the left side, runs forward. He engages the line and then throws a ball back on his inside against the, the way he's running. So with no momentum, perfect fucking spiral, mind you. And it hits Barnett on the fly, and he just crashes over. Now, if you want a little fucking lesson in physics, I'm no physics teacher, but throwing against the grain is fucking hard. Have you ever tried a gainer? I tried a gainer for the first time <laughs> last summer. My mate was like, yeah, I can gainer. I'm like, do it then. He's like, oh, no, I don't feel like it. So I was like, fuck it. I'll try gainer for the first time if you do your gainer. And so I can, I can do a backflip. I can do a backflip normally but that's with my back facing the water when I'm jumping off a wharf. So I tried running and doing a gainer, yeah. and you were there. Yeah. I fucking backslapped so hard. It was, it was hilarious. And I was like, ah, yeah. I gave it a go. But that's momentum, moving forward, but trying to rotate yourself backwards. Now, I know it's not the same, but it's in similar context. Running away from the way that you're passing is not easy. It's like a fadeaway. Like, you got to put more effort into your calculations of how much you want to put power you want to put on the ball. But a ball is, 
it's I don't know, man. It's just it was so sexy. It was, it was so sexy. Like for sexiest sexiest plays, my top three. It goes Berry Ball, Egan Ball to Barnett, and then RTS break. Uh, given the flip, I've got a I've got one that could challenge the the third one on the top three. Go on. If Laban was on the field, um, moving on. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 no, that's that's a dead set first. That's dead set first. That is a first. No questions asked. Yeah, Laban steps on the field. Look, oh, I'm glad God. you brought it up because I I have it plastered all over my notes how good Egan was. And fun fact is he made that that play more than once in that in that game. So in fact, just before uh, Mitch Barnett scored, he did that exact play going up the field. Testing the line. Testing the line both ways. Not just one way, both ways. And the thing that makes it even seem more impossible and more sexy, it's a no-look pass. He engages the line because he's purely focused on them. they drawn to where his eyes are going, where his face is going. They all think he's going left because all of his body is left. And he just gives it to the right. Now, he did that going up the field, and it almost worked brilliantly before that play and then that was just the icing on the cake the fact that he was so determined to just look straight and not give in to look where the pass is going and still give that crystal of a ball insane insane yeah no i i couldn't agree more like something that i love seeing with the warriors nowadays is for a lot of time the warriors like the their team DNA was like they take a lot of risks and they make a lot of errors, but it's when the risk taking gets executed well, as when they play well, like as when they win games. But now, like we, we struggled to do the fundamentals right. Like you'd always like when we beat the Storm in that one final series where the system used to be first v eighth. We beat the Storm in one of those year that year. Warriors finished eighth. We finished first. That was one of the games where we took risks against a structured team and we used to always get compared to them. It was like we were polar opposites. We won that game, but over many different other games we played them, we would have lost 100%. It's like we we don't rely on the risks coming off anymore. We have the structure. We have the systems in place to get us up the field and we have the consistency with our plays to get us in attacking positions. And now... We're seeing the brilliance of Webster and his creativity and a whole team buying into it to come off with these plays like the Berry Ball. I, I, I haven't seen many teams hit a center and a second row hit the same line, but like literally shadowing each other. I haven't seen that that often Neither. or anything or executed, executed to the yeah. timing that the Warriors have done it. Um, and now we're getting... Metcalf sweeping behind RTS. So our 5'8 sweeping behind the center is just like another overlap, like another mind boggle of this isn't what you normally do, but it's creative and it's working because it's dragging people out of position and making them think on their toes more like, wait, what the hell are they doing here? I haven't seen this before. Um, And then you got that ball from dummy half, but like not only to account to... um, Andrew Webster's brilliance and deciding the game plan, but our players actually having the talent yeah. to pull it off as well. Like the timing of Barry's Barry ball, um, the timing of Barnett's run, 
the execution of the pass by Wade Egan, the time, just, it's a lot of timing and it's just so sexy. It was so sexy. And that that's why I didn't want Chance to move from his fullback spot at all this year, unless he's injured, because I didn't think RTS would be able to hit that timing as well, because Chance is already yeah. down pat. And why fix something? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, just to like to add to that a little bit is like, I think last year, Andrew Webster and the Warriors showed and proved that just off structure and fundamentals alone, just by fixing those little things, they came close to winning a comp. Now, what's more exciting is for me is the fact that now I'm going to start seeing flashy warriors with fundamentals and structure. We're going to start seeing plays that come out of nowhere, out of the box plays. Like again, Metcalf, um, you know, sweeping around the berry ball coming to full fruition, the no look passes. I, it's just gonna all come together, and I hope it links up through the whole season because I think the Waz can take it all yeah. away if they can add it all together. Me too, me too. Now, after that whole talk about the yeah. whole Warriors team, now, um, I feel like just because he's so fucking sexy. Um, sorry, we're not talking about Herbie. Herbie's hot. Uh, but yeah. RTS is sexy. Uh, RTS is going to be our I do believe so. Yes. I would agree with that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you, you take that one. Uh, now for the next one, the next game is the Man- Manly Seagulls versus the Bronx. I'll be real. Didn't really watch it. That's, that's sweet. I got a couple notes so I can run us through this one really quickly. Again. Sweet. First note I'll put down is, again, it's the youngsters team. Rezies to be Rezies. There wasn't really uh, first graders in there except for Corey Pakes and um, Brandon Wakeham on both sides. So yep. other than that, very sloppy, a lot of errors. There's one more as well. Brad, Brad Parker. Parker. Sorry, yep, Brad Parker. <laughs> but yes, uh, so a lot of errors, a lot of risk-taking, like we said with the Bunnies versus game. A lot of youngsters trying to show showcast their talent and just break into the top 30. So very sloppy. But in saying that, it was very competitive at the start. Uh, a lot of a lot of things went off for both sides. And then towards the end, the Broncos just found their feet and played Broncos footy. Just, yeah. again, the youngsters just played like the, the old boys do. So... A lot, a lot of takeaways for me is there's a couple of guys um, in the Bronx team that did did all right. Corey Pakes for me was sort of one of it, but not one of them. He played very average on a young team. Yes, he scored, but showed so he should should have. You know, he's got that first yeah. grade experience, and out of dummy half, he should have torn them to shreds more than he did. It's just yeah. it's just one of those things. Um, I do have to come have to come clean on something though. Uh, Xavier Willison is not the tallest player in the NRL. I got the names mixed yeah. up. It's Benjamin Takura. He is six foot eleven and fucking I don't know, hundred twenty five kgs. Yeah. Mountain. And saying that though, Xavier Willison has just got more upside at the moment. I think ben- Takura yeah. just has a bit more time to find his feet, and we'll see him in there. That's basically my notes, man. That's that's a I've got a 
a couple of um, honorable mentions nominees. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, mate, just I reckon just go straight into the little ripper, little ripper of the game. Okay, my little ripper of the game, my nominee, Bailey Hodgson, the fullback. Uh yeah, yes, fullback. play yeah, the fullback. Yeah. Stats: twenty-three runs. 229 run meters, 106 post-contact meters, five tackle breaks. Something I like with those stats is what I'm always thinking about is how many compared to the total run meters is PCM, post-contact meters, because it can show, like, say, for AJ Brimson's run meters in the Titans game, which we'll get to, but he did get a 90-meter line break. So when you see his PCMs compared to his total run meters, like I'm, I'm basically I'm looking for if it's half-half, it's yeah. good. You're in a good, you're a good range if you're half-half. If your total run, your PCMs are half your total run meters. Um, which coming from a young fullback, I'm loving that because especially at fullback, where if you catch if you catch it on the full and it, the ball doesn't touch the grass from a kick return, you can easily make 10 meters just off that. But the fact that he has still got a hundred, what well, he's still got, pretty much half of his run meters being PCMs, that is a very good sign. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was just more the fact that of how many runs he took. You know, like yeah. just the work rate he went through in that game. Um, that's that's my nominee. I just would like to give one mention though to a youngster, yes. uh, Jamie Humphreys. Played six, looked absolute gunner there a couple of areas here and there but the word coming from the seagulls is they're training him to be a dummy half so he can come into the first grade side and play there and um from reports he's put on some weight over the off season he's looking stacked but seeing him play there he needs a bit more runs a bit more reps yeah but i think it can be promising that's just my little yeah. note there i I do have a little counter to or devil's advocate is they have a lot of nines in that building. Yeah. They got Gordon Cam Chung Tom or something like that. Um what's called Gordon? Underperformed. Underperformed. What did he play in the game? Yes he did. He got outshone by Jamie Humphreys when Jamie Humphreys ah, went to that spot. Okay. Yes. But, he was very slow at Rock. That's yeah. my biggest note on him. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, well, Regardless, I was going to say they got Lachlan Croker already, but we all know Croker is definitely not on that upper echelon of nines in the comp. So if Humphreys does perform like the potential we, well, I say we, you've seen in him, then I I don't see why he couldn't snag some minutes this year. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for it. I'm, I think we'll see less minutes, but at least some gaming time, hopefully. Yeah. So, on to the next game. One of the absolute slogs of a game. Uh, at least at least for me. I pretty much, this is one of the few games where I watched all the minutes. Like, every single minute from start to finish. I watched, and fuck me, I did not enjoy most of it. Not going to lie. Um, <laughs> straight off the bat, I'm just going to say something. There was two things in this game that were very defining. One, it was two really bad teams. Not sorry, I won't say really bad. It was two poor teams going against each other. And the one 
that had the worst defense, the Tigers, which was absolutely woeful, were the two main points for me. And yeah, it was just for me, it was watching it, being a Benji supporter and loving Benji and wanting Benji to do well as a coach. I was more upset with the Tigers' performance rather than the Dragons, like being impressed with the yeah. Dragons' performance. Yeah, so like just a little counter there, and we, we kind of touched on it over like Messenger while we were talking throughout the weekend. And I think yeah. it's a shame that the Dragons' performance is getting overshadowed by how woeful the Tigers was. Because for me, you can look at it in mm. multiple different ways. You can either look at it as the Tigers shat the bed and the Dragons took full advantage, or you can look at it as the Dragons' pure attacking skill and display in this game is what tore the Tigers apart. And that's kind of the way I'm running with it is because I just love to see how the Dragons turned around and the, how much effort they put in and how much will they put in. And it's just, yeah, that's where, where it's coming from for, for me watching this game. I was so impressed by what the Dragons did and that those little areas and that, that, that's what it come down to me. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, that is fair. Um, I mean, for me, I wanted to see the Tigers with some faith in themselves. Um, last week, I mean, again, was against reserve grade Warriors, which, not going to lie, they did have Laban on the field, so I I'm surprised with how well they did go. Um, also, but... the Warriors is playing <laughs> one man down for most of their game. Very true. Very true. And they still kept the close. Oh, my God, the Warriors are so good. Um, <laughs> but the Tigers didn't look like they were defending as a team. Like, we talked about the Storm and how their slide defense is like one of their best things. Like their cover defense is amazing. Like if Mazu had a sniff of open field, he had Pezzet, uh, Ali Katoa, Hughes, whoever, whoever was on that spot covering to suffocate him into that corner on the sideline. Um, but from the Tigers, we didn't see it. Uh, I noticed a bunch of times when they broke the line they then, well, not even breaking the line. With breaking the line, they drop someone under. And dropping someone under should not... I mean, oh, I'm going back to the Warriors again last week. They put Laban underneath, and Laban went straight through. So, but this is like the center was being dropped underneath on the inside, like going back on the inside. And you saw no slide from the second row or the half or anything like that. And it, it just was a massive open, gaping hole. And was just... I think Sloan went through untouched in one of them. And for me, it's that was more showing that the defense of the Tigers wasn't up to scratch and they just weren't fending for each other. Yeah. All right. They definitely weren't fighting for each other like a team should. Like They were more being like, oh, he missed a tackle, that's his problem, rather than being like, he missed a tackle, I'll make sure I get this one. So, yeah. you know, down the track, if I, if I miss one, he'll get me. Um, it's something that the doggies picked up that the dragons just needs to learn how to do. Tigers, um, not dragons. Oh, tigers. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Um, but again, in saying that, like, I still stick to the the point where even when the 
the Tigers had ball in hand, the Dragons shut them down. And you could argue, yeah, sure, it was poor poor play, poor decision-making, whatever. But you could also argue that the Dragons were just so up for the game they managed to shut them down. Yeah. And this is that's just where I'm coming from. I'm trying to look more at the positives that came out of a team that looked so lost and forgotten last, last season yeah. that for them to do that, that's just... That's just where I'm where I'm coming from. It's, it shines for me brighter than the fact that the Tigers were shit. Yeah. <laughs> Way to put it bluntly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm looking at how well the Dragons performed rather than the Tigers being absolute dog water. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just delivered that so cold, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm not here to beat around the bush. I'm here to provide content. Not here to fuck spiders. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of positives for the Tigers, I just—I only have one. I'm actually looking through the whole thing. I literally only have one, um, and that is Galvin, the young halfback that came into the game, played a bit of center. I think he played a bit of half as well. Um, he looked good for a youngster, and as we talked about with the reserve grade games, how they're all taking risks and trying to put their name in front of name in front of the coach to get a spot in the 30 or whatever it is. Galvin didn't look like he was doing that. It looked like he was playing it safe. Like he had already played a bunch of first grade games, knows what it's about and knows that he's got to do all the simple things right for the rest of his game to then be unlocked. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. He was definitely a standout on on the Tigers' side. Um yeah, he did play it very safe, but he looked good doing it. He looked like a Jonah Pezzett. Yeah. To put it bluntly. Yeah, yeah. Jonah Pezzett with more first-grade experience as well. Um, but, like, when Jonah Pezzett first came into the Storm team, yeah. I, I completely agree. It, it looks like he does have... He's got the confidence in himself, which is a huge thing, which we're talking about with Taff. Like, if he had more confidence in himself, I reckon he'd be performing a lot better. Um. And Galvin already looks like he's got that. And I feel like that's Benji in his ear being like, mate, all you need to do is back yourself. Yeah. And it seems like with his gameplay, well, with the way he plays his game, I think he knows that. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, there's a saying for a reason. Like, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. Yeah. So, I think he, he did that spectacularly. Mm-hmm. Um. The only person I'd like to add that I think was really good and is a positive and might be some, one of the most consistent positives in the Tigers team if he retains okay. that spot. Oh, no. Go. I was going to guess. But go. Uh, you go guess? No, no, no. I'm not going to guess because I'll just tell you. I'll be honest. I'll be honest if I guessed it right. Safer. Okay. No, I wasn't thinking him. I was thinking of Bola because yeah. he's definitely got that spot. But. Oh yeah, but Buller is just a lock. He's just yeah, dream he's the a dream. It's, yeah. it's he's the dream for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think what Safer brings to the table. Again, he looked good on a losing side. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's a positive outlook. You know what I mean? Like it's some positives. Yeah, no, I I love it. Safer, like, I think I mentioned, um, and. One of the other podcasts, I can't remember which one it was. Last week's one. Was it, was it last week's? Yeah, last yeah, week's Where one. he rejected uh, signing for the Warriors to stay in, uh, in Sydney to stay in their family. And he was just going to work his way into it. And it's 
paying dividends and I love to see it. I love to see someone that backs themselves like that. And I mean, he does look like a massive workhorse. Yeah, he definitely gets through major work on the field and I love to see it. They need more more players that's willing to get through that work. Yeah. Yep, agreed. Agreed. <clears throat> now, do you have any other points or should we go straight to our little ripper? I'll go straight. I'll go straight to it. I do have a, a thing though here. Like, my little ripper was so tight I couldn't decide so I put two names down. Fine. And yeah, okay. So, my first name, Jaden Saw. Yes. Here is a stat line. Now, one, he had me horny in this game. Everywhere I looked, he did like a lay-ban on me. Not as good as lay-ban, but he did no, like no a lay-ban on me. No, Everywhere I looked, I was like... Like a lay-ban. Like, like a lay-ban. Lay lay yeah. yeah. He was there. Yeah. He was there. And the stats kind of prove it. So, 13 runs, 455 meters. Mm. 42 post-contact meters. Yes, it's on the lighter side, but he got through some work. One line break, one leg break assist, seven tackle breaks. That's nice. As a second rower. Again, yes, it's taken out of context. He didn't play a full 80 minutes. I think mm -hmm. he only played like 55, 60 minutes around there. Uh, the other name for me, though, and which is probably going to win... Moses Suli, his stat line goes like this. One try, 17 runs for 183 meters, 65 post-contact meters, one line break, and 11 tackle breaks. That is insane. Yeah. I have a counter, Ma though. Shoot. Oh, your head dropped, bro. Don't make me feel bad <laughs> for having a counter. So... We all know I love hookers. <laughs> yeah. I can't say that with a straight face now. No, you fuck can't man. now. God damn it. I'm going to clip that. <laughs> no, you're not. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I reckon the key to a lot of the success for the Dragons in that game was Jacob Little. I reckon his movement around the ruck was insane. His dummy half plays were really good. I reckon, I'm pretty sure... One of the tries and maybe two line breaks were assisted by him from dummy half. And that was him identifying that Jaden Sullivan is not the best defender in the line. Yeah. And that's why they scored so many on that left side. And I believe it was short side as well, where Sullivan was trying to get out of the way to not defend. And Jacob Little just saw him, looked up, saw him, was like, nah, mate, you're not hiding that easily. And just put Sully, put Ravalawa straight onto him two massive boys put so yep. on i reckon they put sore onto him as well like it was a specific game plan and i reckon little was massive in playing playing that role um especially his delivery from dummy half as well it just the way he got the forwards moving up the field with little little like three steps from dummy half to draw on the markers so the markers aren't going straight to the first receiver, whether that yep. was a prop or the halfback. Like, it was it, it was beautiful to see. It was good to see, and that's why he is my nomination for Little Ripper of the Game. Okay. <laughs> You're, not like You're not convinced. You're not convinced. I'm not convinced, but, you know, you do like your hookers, and... <laughs> I, I snagged the hooker from you 
a minute ago, so I'll give you this one. I fucking <laughs> paid for that one too. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please don't stop. I gotta stop this. I need to yeah. stop this before it becomes an actual thing. <laughs> I think at the bottom of of your shirt, I'm gonna put I like hookers, and at the bottom of my shirt, I'll just put 100%, 100%, 100%. Yep. Yeah, that's what I can ask. <laughs> I like hookers. Um, <laughs> oh fuck! I said it. I said that without you saying anything. That's not sound like that. <laughs> Oh fuck! Hey, I'm the one Anderson. Anyways, I can cut it out. I'm definitely not going to. Um, no, no. I honestly think no. I think Sully should win it. I reckon Sully was more damaging. I'm. I'm going to cave. I'm going to let you have another one of my hookers. Um, You're going to cave. I'm going to cave. I uh, yeah. Sully was like when he got the ball. It was, is he going to run over him or is he going to run through him? Also, it's the first time I've seen Sully not look sad. <laughs> oh, yeah, honestly, honestly, like we used to call him sad boy Sully, like yes, all of last year, to. because like you see, you see like his, his mugshot for the dragons, brother just looks sad. doesn't look like he's having a good time. And then when he playing the game, they're actually losing. He has a reason to be sad. He just looks even worse. Oh, Yeah. He just looked happy. I like it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He looks happy because he was playing good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not not because the Tigers are shit, but no. cool. But the Tigers <laughs> okay. So the next one is the Raiders Cowboys. Now we mentioned that, we mentioned really quickly uh, the draft that we had uh, on the weekend, which was smack bang in the middle of the Raiders and Cowboys game. And we didn't get to watch a lot of that game well at least i didn't i was driving to a mate's place to do the draft over at his um Mosey was watching the first half and yeah we both kind of missed the second half um so i'm just gonna give you the reins bro and tell me what you saw cool so from the first half it looked very competitive to start off with like both both sides the defense was holding up holding up strong, scrambled these are going. Everything was looking promising early on. Until it didn't, I guess. The Cowboys came out firing towards the back end of the first half and just kind of ran over the Raiders. Some good points for me, though, is like... Strange. Ethan Strange just looks first grade ready, if you ask me. Like, he was holding his own in the line, in defense, and in attack, like, some great individual plays by Ethan Strange. And I think that's what's going to give him the edge over uh, weeks for the sixth jersey. Mm. Um, And I also feel like with Fogarty controlling the team, we can see a side where Ethan Strange has more creative freedom. Yeah. And that's just a big, big point for me. Um, He he escaped... uh, ban yeah match yeah he just got the fine oh yes yes so, yes. His yes suspension he skipped off the suspension yeah which is good news because well otherwise they would have been lackluster <laughs> that's maybe we put my... lackluster at the bottom of your shirt <laughs> lackluster <laughs> another hundred percent lackluster i write it okay i'm running with it <laughs> and at the at the top we'll put a hashtag lay band for the LEM. Carrying on. Um Nanai looked good. Nanai looked better. 
he looked better than last season, which is a big up for me because last season I was really bagging on bagging on him, saying that he coasted. We all said that he yeah. just came in that second season and coasted. He did didn't really perform. He, he wasn't all, what we saw that first year. No, he definitely wasn't. I still don't think he is what we saw that first year. Yes, it was a trial. Maybe he was taking it slow, whatever. Mm-hmm. But his replacement coming off the bench, Michele, Michele? Oh, fuck, I can't pronounce the name. Help me out here. I, no, I don't, I don't actually know how to pronounce it either. Michele. Michele? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to run with it. Running with it. What's his first Michele. name? I, I think it's you. Thomas. I think it's Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, Tom Thomas McKayley. He came on for short minutes and killed it again. I mentioned him, I'm pretty sure I mentioned him last week, just saying how strong and damaging he looked. Yeah. He came on again, he came on again this game and looked just as damaging, just as destructive, just really backed up that first performance. And I think he's going to push for a spot and I think if there's someone that's going to cave in that second rowers, it's going to be Nanai, not Luki. Because my next point is how fucking good Hallam Luki looked. Yeah, it's it's for me Luki being and uh, the well I drafted him as he was playing. Um, fingers crossed, he just doesn't have any injuries that hinders this year. If he gets a full year, injury free, maybe like if we have like a let's say a concussion or a tight hamstring where he's out for like two or three weeks i'm i'm happy with that i'm I'm fine with that if he gets 20 games this year i reckon he's gonna he's gonna go leaps and bounds like become leaps and bounds better than what he was starting this year yeah i would have to agree and just really quick like i know i normally touch on the the stats later on but i'm gonna give you his stat line lukey stat line he 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 ran he went fuck's sake he did 18 runs yes for 168 meters 82 post contact meters mm. four tackle breaks mm. one one on one steal ooh yeah um let's look at the defensive stats real quick where am i i'm in no man's land he made 17 tackles lower end but no Missed tackles, Ooh. and only one error. I think the I remember game. that error. I think it was he conceded a penalty or something. He did, yes, he did. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like the one thing that I saw when I looked up on the screen. I'm like, fuck, Luki, bro, what are you doing? No, I yeah. I rate Luki as well. Um, <clears throat> if anyone's going to get complacent, it's going to be uh, Nenai, in my opinion. Um, Luki is still fighting for that big contract, so. I reckon he's going to be the second roller to look out for. And if they're both firing, then fuck me. That's good to see. Um, yeah. I had one thing on here because I try to watch the game. Um, I said the Raiders go for it is still very strong until I saw the stats. And they none of them ran for over 80 meters. So I take that back. Um, just thought I'd say that I am human. I do get... Uh, suggestions wrong, so please don't uh, put me on the stake. Uh, just want to say <laughs> I got that completely wrong. But <laughs> Tarpane wasn't playing. I reckon Tarpane will be a massive in for them this year. Yeah, when Tarpane comes back, he'll definitely change the groove of it and yep. lead from the front again. 
Yeah. So I'm not I'm not too worried about that. But neither. Yeah. Neither. Neither. Um, I am worried about the way that they finish because I did predict them to finish second last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm worried about our ladder predictions already. So I'm we'll not, we'll not touch I'm on that. So confident. <laughs> I'm I'm confident in my like top eight. I'm not so confident really? on the rest. Yeah, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> Doggies on eight on eight. I still see them. I still see them. Any case. Yeah. <laughs> um, my points for the Raiders, uh, just to finish me off for the first half points and like just kind of overall. Yeah. Shilla still looks good. I think Shilla definitely deserves a spot. Mm. And Xavier Savage looked better. Yeah. Not like how we saw when he played fullback in that first season, but he looked better. He was more up for the game, had more hands in the game and he just looked a lot better and I really love to see it. I think they should just keep him at at wing. Stop messing him about, stop chopping yep. and changing. Just keep him at wing, put Rapin at fullback or someone else at fullback and just let him do his thing there. Get comfortable and then we'll start seeing Xavier Savage come back and flourish like he did in that first season. Yep. I agree. I agree. As long as I don't fuck him around, bring him in, take him out, put him somewhere else. Kind of like what they did last year where they played him a whole year at fullback and they're like, wait, mm, you're not our fullback anymore. We don't want you to play there anymore. We will play Seb Chris, who is a center, learning how to play fullback the entire year. So as long as I don't fuck him around, I reckon Xavier's in for a big season. Yeah. Um, You're going to fire away with your little ripper? My little ripper nomination. Again... It's a it's a it's a, a difficult one for me because Labour came out and performed. Yes, he did. And then my other nomination was going to be Helen Lukey. Mm. It's just tough because what Labour did, kinda, you know, you know, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to say. He's kind of winning in my in my mind. Yeah. Yes, Helen Lukey put in the effort and he ran amazingly, but I'll read you Labour's stat line. And you can give me the nod or no. So he scored one try, kicked one conversion. Sees hundred percent, kicked one from one. Oh my god, what a man. <laughs> what a man. He did he took thirteen runs for hundred and twenty eight meters, thirty eight post contact, two line breaks, one line break assist, one try assist, eight tackle breaks. Brother Oh my lord. Yeah. He put the work yeah. in. Yeah, I mean, I, I give, give me give me the side by side in terms of Lukey and Labor if you're able to. Okay, I can give you the side by side. So, Helen Lukey, he didn't assist any tries. No. Okay, he also didn't get any tries. That's basically just the just there. Helen Lukey ran for thirty more. No, sorry, got that wrong. Yeah, no, forty more. Sorry, forty more meters. Yeah, just round off it. Of, you don't have to be yeah. exact, bro. He ran forty more meters or five more runs. Oh, five more runs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, like I said, no line break assists, no line breaks, and no try assists. Whereas Laybat did all of the above. I think that kind of tells us who should be the little ripper of the game. Yes, and my last point, just because it rounded me out, Yeah, uh, Layback got four more tackle breaks, and I'm done. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Bet Winslow, so that, ripper of the game. <laughs> that comparison kind of really speaks volumes. Um, congratulations to Kyle Labor. Kyle? It's not Zach. It's Kyle. Zach. Not Zach Labor. Is it Zach? Damn it. I always get them mixed up. Kyle is a 5'8". <laughs> Kyle is a 5'8 that can't get a fucking team. Um, but always plays for Papua New Guinea 6. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What a killer. I'm so glad he's actually got that center spot because he has been in the background for a long time. And I remember last year when we were talking, we were talking about Viliami Vailia, who's come up from the Warriors. Um, we, well, I was thinking that he was going to get that center spot after Hiku left. Uh, but it seems like Labart's taking that with both hands and being like, nah, fuck off. It's mine. Yeah. Which he really put I up love. a fight. Yeah, he he fought for the spot for good. Now, the next game, if I remember correctly, you barely watched it. Yes, I didn't. I I was too focused on how shit I did in the draft and trying to try and fix it. So okay. let's <laughs> let's quickly go through the draft, just really yeah. quick because this was like we are putting this in really quickly based off where we sat. Um with where we actually drafted and how we drafted and everything. So I'll just go through my top three picks. So I was picked number five out of 10. Nosey was picked number six out of 10. Six? Yeah. Six yeah, out six, of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and where is... I don't want transaction history. I don't want draft recap. Okay, I can look at your draft recap if you don't have it. Um, so I my, can look at it. My first pick was SJ at halfback. And yeah. So we've got a we've got a little bit of connection going on because in both drafts in our home league and this one, which is the rubber the rubbers draft, um, shut up the weekly rub down. Um, we were both next to each other in both of them. Yeah, you were before me in the home league, and I was before you in the rubbers league. You were second in the home league. Second in the home league, yes. And I was third in the home league. Yes. And so. And for your first pick in the home league, who'd you pick? Sean Johnson. Who did I pick in the rubbers league? Sean Johnson. Now, for your first pick in the rubbers league, who'd you pick? Reese Walsh. Killed it. Killed yeah. it. That's a great pick. That's a great... I'm pretty great sure pick. he went about fifth in our one as well. I think he went... Yeah, no. Yeah, fourth. Fifth or sixth? Fourth. Fourth. I think he, he went, went straight fourth. after me. I think he went, yeah. No, no, he went fifth. Yeah, yeah, because KP yeah. was fourth. KP went, yeah, yeah. KP went fourth. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. He, he, I was surprised, though, I must say. I was surprised in the rubbers draft that I got him at six. Yeah. Oh, one. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, your first round pick, pick number six. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my second, well, sorry, it comes back around to you on the snake. And who was your second pick? Dylan Brown. And fun fact. My second pick for the home league, not the rubbers league, different league, was Dylan Brown. Yeah. So we have a little bit of connection there. So at least when we're watching each other's players play, we can support them as well as say, I hope you do shit. Um, <laughs> and then coming to me right after, I picked Val Holmes. Uh, goal kicking center wing for the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys can do well. Wait, so Val Holmes was your second pick for the Rubbers draft? Yeah, for the Rubbers draft. Well, okay. Wait, why'd you pull that face, bro? What the fuck? 
I just think this is better, but I'll move on. <laughs> no, we'll get to we'll get to my value pick towards the end. Um, okay, but we're just going through the first three. Um, coming back to me, pick twenty five. I picked Jermaine Saka. Right, it another goal kicking center wing outside Herbie. Don't know how it will go, but praying that he still gets some ball. I think he'd get better ball. Yeah, going off of that, my third pick, pick twenty six. Mitchell Moses. Rate it. Yeah. Goal kicking halfback. Yeah, although I've realized that I have the Eels half pairing. Ah, that will lead us into the Eels-Titans game and why you weren't watching. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, um, I was scurrying to find a solution for my problems. (laughs) Yeah. Seeing as if one performs, the other doesn't, and vice versa. And it's very rarely that both perform, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, my little value thing that I have to mention... Have to... Was I was the last person in our 10-man comp to pick a fullback. And fullbacks were picked within the first five rounds. So who did I pick up? Charm's daddy. At pick 12. I almost had my yeah. full starting lineup. I think I was missing a forward. I was missing a prop, yeah. and that was it. And then I picked Chance. Because I knew he was going to be there. After all of it, it was between Chance and Buller. And I ended up getting both of them, because I know Chance will be out for a few weeks before he comes back. So I got Chance, Buller, but then I had to get another fullback to cover my round one. Um, yeah. But regardless, let's go on to the Eagles-Titans game, which you missed because uh, you were watching the halves and being like, fuck, they have to perform. Um, so... I've got a few notes down here. Uh, the first thing is the eel spine is still top tier. The way they click, the way they gel their chemistry together, it's like they complement each other. It's oh, I'm trying to think. It's, I, I I was trying to think of an analogy or something, but I'm unable to on the fly. So. I am human. I'm kidding. Um, the, <laughs> the spine was just top-notch. The way they just moved uh, up the field together as a team and decided whether to go sh- like short side, long side, whether they connected through with Gutho or anything like that. Like, I'm pretty sure one of the plays went through three. No, because we're talking about when we talk about the spine, we don't include the hooker because the hooker isn't really a key person in their team at the moment. Um, he's more of just a delivery person, whereas when Reed Marnie was in the team, he was more relied on. Um, it went through two of the hands where it came back inside to one of the halves um, from getting it with Gutho. And I don't know, it just the spine looks really good. And as long as those three, Gutho, Moses, and Dylan Brown stay fit, I reckon they can still fight for the eight. I think I had them in ninth or eighth in my team um i had them i can't remember neither um (laughs) i had them at 14th yeah you had them low i had them high i remember that um yeah so that's the first note um i also noticed that broken play is where the eels shine the most whereas uh second phase footy or broken play is where they're just off the cuff and because they've got such good chemistry, it's where they're supporting each other. And it's like, they just have a second, second, 
It's fucking five senses, you idiot. They have a sixth sense that uh, they know when like their player is looking for an offload or when their player is going to get a hand free or something like that. They just seem to know that. And that's why this is probably a bold call. If they play the Panthers three times this year, I reckon they'll have a positive win rate again. Yeah, They'll yeah. still be the yeah. only team with a positive win rate against the Panthers because I'll get to it as well because that's the next game we're going to cover. Um, the Panthers' weakness is broken play, is second yeah. phase footy. Um, other than that, to mention the Titans, Tino is still a fucking beast. I fucking love Tino still. He's it's not he's not slowing down anytime soon. <clears throat> Unlike Tom Lolo. Um <laughs> It's the power of the mullet. It is the power of the mullet. It's the power of the mullet. Uh, Pappy should be kicking because he's got a mullet. Um <laughs> Just for my classic, not for my draft because I don't have him. Um But other than Tino being a beast, the one that stood out for me in the Titans was Bo Firma. Love Absolutely love to see a guy coming back from an ACL, missing a whole year. There's another person coming up as well, we will mention. Missing a whole year and looking like he never missed a beat. Like, we talked yeah. about RTS being away for three years, was it? Four years, no? Three years, three years. Three years, I think it was three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And coming back and not looking like he missed, missed a single game. I think Firma is the same. I think Firma was really good. He was playing on the left. I'm very interested to see how he did there. Or how he, Sorry, how he does there and whether he stays there throughout the year. Because before he did his ACL last year, he was the left and Fafita was the right. Now last year, Fafita killed it, obviously. He's Fafita. He's a beast. He's a unit. But I was talking with Jacob, who was uh, in our rubbers draft. And I went yep. over to his place for the draft. I was talking to him about it. And both me and him had David Fafita in our draft last year. And he was saying, he's got to stay on the left because Kieran Foran unlocks him. And I counted with, it wasn't Foran that was unlocking him. It was David Fafita passing before running. Because he is such a threat at the line, if he takes on the line, you need three blokes there. But because you need three blokes there, he's drawing in a lot of attention. And he's he was not playing the kick-out role where the center would like be running that, that line in front and he'd be sweeping out the back. Not like that, but he was playing a second row role where it was more like a center where he got the ball and then he decided who got it. Most of the time, he didn't give it to the center. He'd cut it out and he'd give it straight to Kampera. And because there's three guys thinking Fafita's going to run, Kampera gets a little bit of space, which happened in this game with Firmer as well. Gets a little bit of space and his acceleration is unmatched and he just he's in front of you and you can't touch him. So, yeah. Firma actually did that the same. It was more of a broken play. Firma got it. There was, I don't think it was a three on two. It was a three on three, but he was on the outside shot of his man. You could see him, the decision didn't happen like snap, like he knew straight away when he got the ball, he was giving it to Cam Pereira. But he looked up, had a little, not like a juggle, but reorganized his hands on the ball and then gave a cutout ball face, across the face of Brian Kelly. I think it was Brian Kelly. But the center, yeah. the, oh, it might have been shop. It might have been shop. Faceball across him because the winger was on shop instead of Campera. Campera gets the ball, just glides his way to the try line, yeah. untouched. Blitz. Um, and I just 
I love seeing firmer. He is in both of my draft teams, so I could be a little bit biased, but he's he's looking really good, and I'm really excited to see how he goes for the rest of the year. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, from what I watched and like the little bit I watched, I I yeah, he's he's looking good, and I'm excited to see him for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. Now moving on to the little ripper of the game, I do have this like one thing noted. But I think you would agree if, like, you watching the game, making sure you're watching the halves to make sure they play well and they're going to play that well this year. Um, but the one man that stood out, and I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you a stat that I noticed just from the eye test. I didn't look at stats, but this is just watching him. Who do you think this is? He made five runs in three minutes. Didn't somebody say Jermaine Hopgood? Jermaine Hopgood is the name. You are the winner. Uh, I don't have a bell or anything or a buzzer or like a celebration. I need, some, I need like a confetti cannon or something. I need some lights in this room. Um, but yeah, it is Jermaine Hopgood. He, there was times where the Eels were looking for something to happen. They're throwing it side to side, but nothing was happening. And when Jermaine got the ball, being a 13 where you normally are, well, nowadays you can be a link man and he does play that role every now and then. He just knew, nah, we just need a truck nut, get it straight down the middle, get a middle of the ball, play the ball, because that's when the air was the most deadly, because both of their halves are very clinical. So it's, yeah, they're very good on the short side as well. So giving them both the space on either side, and then letting the defense have to be like, oh, who have we got to stack up on? Yeah, I just, Hopgood was insane. I'm sure his backs would stat it would support his stats as well. Yeah. His stats so support his stats, but yeah. What, I, what, what I was going to say was, because I only like half watched the, the game and then kind of tried to watch the back end of the game. Yeah. I noticed how good Hopgood was, but what I did was I went and looked at the stats. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what the stats showed for all the players, you know, just to get a feel for it. Now, Jermaine led the game and two stats out of three and led the eels obviously in two stats out of three. Now I'm going to read you all the stats and then I'll pinpoint which stats it was. Fire he away. got one. Yeah. He got one try. Mm-hmm. He did 21 runs mm-hmm. for 226 meters, 67 post-contact meters, two tackle breaks, three offloads, 31 tackles made. Only one tackle missed. Uh, that's just what you expect week to week with Hopgood. Like, yeah, that's just the man he is. And those PCMs are like obviously not the fifty-fifty that we normally look at, but he did get a line break. So, yes, yes. For me, though, he led with most tackles in the yeah, game, of course, and and most run meters. And he's a lock. You know, normally we see wingers, centers, get those run meters. Yeah. You know, normally we get um, second rows or, you know, middle middle defenders get those tackles. Yeah. Here's a middle defender. Jesus, no. Sort <laughs> it out. But in any case, not my point. He no. just led all around the park. With middle defenders, to support your case, though, is they tend to target the hookers because they are the smallest block on the field. Um. And they are in the middle, but they are normally supported by the 13. 
So Jermaine yep. just supporting his hooker, Brennan Hands or Freddie Freddie? No. Joey Lusick. Um just supporting him and making sure that if if he hits that hooker, Jermaine is hitting it too and he's sticking and that is just a teammate that you want to have. I'll tell you right now, if I was playing rugby league, I want him outside me, I'll be like, Yo bro, you hit him first. I reckon you'll knock him over. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to do anything. I'll just stand there and put my hands on him and be like, Yeah bro, you mean. Um <laughs> You're the god. Uh, so he is my nominee for Ripper of the Week and the Ripper of the Game for me. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I have no counters. I think he just absolutely show, showed that he's the only man that should be focused on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that is, yeah, so that is all the preseason trials. Um, but we are going to go over the uh, World Club Challenge. Yes. I always feel like saying cup, the World Cup Challenge, but it's not. It's World Club Challenge. Now, I'll be real, I only watched the highlights. But from the highlights, I did gather a lot of things. First off, we'll address the elephant in the room. I noticed five different times the ref was biased or bad, really. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them. We all know what they were. Um, It was still a great game, regardless of that. It was a very competitive game. It was, you could tell the crowd was so on Wigan's side, but that was good to see. Just that it was, it was putting Penrith out of their comfort zone. Um, the attack from Wigan was very clinical. The Penrith still looked like they are a defensive first team. And to be fair, the score was only, what, like 16 to 12? Yes. So it was. Still a very low-scoring game, which is what Penrith love. And that's what they're best at. But they looked like they just were missing the icing on the cake on their attack. They were getting in great attacking position. But I have to I have to point out Wigan on their game plan against Penrith was... So, I know in rugby league terms, you call it the ABC defender. So, you got your A's on either side of the ruck. And that's your first man out from the ruck, from the play the ball. And then you got your B's, your C's. It felt like at sometimes, if it was on the open side, they were going out to their E's, were all rushing up. So first, yeah. the five men closest to the ruck uh, on the open side were all rushing up. Otherwise, it was going to, um, if it was in the middle of the park, it was the C's. C's on either side were rushing up hard. And I mean fucking hard, which was exploited exploited at times, but like I said, the icing on the cake for Penrith just wasn't there to finish off those chances. Um, but you could see it was really... It was forcing the halves to run it more. Or, like, there was... There was so many times I was watching it and I was thinking they need to be doing second phases to... Like, getting second phase footy going to take advantage of this. But they weren't doing that, and they were forced to not use their... It was like a game plan to force them out to using their centers and wings. Now, we know that the Penrith attack, or like the way the Penrith get up the field is using their centers and wings so that their defense in the middle is always solid and they suffocate them. Um, But what Wigan were doing is that because they were rushing up so much, the best plan of attack was to spread it out to the centers and the wings. And them being already gassed, they realized that, and I'm not going to lie, Taylor May still fucking killed it 
and center. Like I said before, someone coming back from an ACL. Love that. I'll get back to him. Um, but it was forcing them to come into the game even more than what they were. And it still meant that the defense for Penrith were suffocating. They were really good and they weren't getting out of their own half. But I mean, when they did, their centers, the centers and the wings for Penrith were already gassed. And yeah. they, were, they were gassed early. Well, not, I won't say early. It was most of the game they were very good. But it was like you could tell that that icing on the cake wasn't there because Wigan were forcing them to get into the game more than what they're used to. Now, I rate that game plan from Wigan. It was a perfect counter. And I think some teams in the NRL should start looking into it. Maybe not throughout the year, but maybe in the finals. Um, but a little, a little thing that I saw for Wigan's first try, Bevan French gave one of the most beautiful no-look passes cut out to the wing where it was just outside Sonny Taruva and then he just went through untouched. It was, I remember watching it at first, I'm like, yeah, that's a good ball, that's a good ball. And then they had the behind the goal line shot and he's like looking, so he's running down the right side He's looking to the left side of the cameraman. So he's looking straight down the line. And he just stares and gives it spiral, cut out, straight onto the chest. I just thought that was really fucking sexy. Um, but that's pretty much all I have for the game. Um, apart from the ref bias. Again, I don't want to go into it. Everybody knows yeah. how bad it was. Um, my little ripper of the game, though, is Taylor oh. May. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, sorry, what was what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to circle back. Like, even though I didn't watch the whole game, I didn't even touch on the highlights. Like, I just looked at the news and, like, just followed a bit of the social media posts. I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. The class of the Penrith side and them being a, a three-time back-to-back-to-back premiership winning side should not have put themselves in the position to even, you know, let the ref take the game away from them. Yeah, no, I they should have. That. They should have played the game so that the ref wasn't involved. Yeah. But besides that, great game by Wigan. Like, Penrith just suck at playing World Club challenges. Yep. Apparently, so I don't think they've won, won one at all. No, they haven't. They haven't won one. Um, you're correct. They haven't won one at all. So hopefully we can get a new Premiership winning side this year, so we can finally <laughs> get one. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I would have to agree, just looking at the social media, Taylor Main killed it, and I think he deserves deserves a little ripper of the, of the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, that is all the games we are touching on. Um, so, we are now going to pick our ripper of the week. Now, can you give me the list of names that we have for rippers of the, little rippers of the games? Yes, I can. So we got Taylor May. We'll, we'll go backwards. We'll go Taylor May, mm-hmm. Jermaine, Jermaine Hopgood, Zach Labor. Then we've got Moses Suli, um mm-hmm. for the Dragons. Then we've got Bailey Hodgson, which is the youngster for the Seagulls. Yeah. Then we have RTS for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. We've got Leo Thompson for the Knights v. Storm. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure it was for Kitty. 
Selisi for Kitty for the for the, the Bunnies Roosters game and then I finish with this person on purpose, Bronson Cherry for the full <laughs> game. <laughs> There's a lot of bias there, but yes. Um, okay. that's your list. Off the top of the dome. I know it was well, I was gonna say Taylor made being one of my nominations for Ripper of the Week, but I feel like that's just because it was fresh in my mind. So I'm actually going to go with the big man, Bronson. Some motherfucker named Bronson as my nomination for Rip of the Week. And that could be Doggy's bias, but I'll openly admit that. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I've got Bronson bias. I don't know if Doggy's bias. i got Bronson bias. But I'm going to counter you with Jermaine Hopgood. Okay. I'm going to argue my point Okay, for Bronson. Okay. Um Mans was just a workhorse in center. Second game, first game against first graders, second game back. Just put in work, wasn't shy from the ball. Like, was making sure he was doing some work. Like, it's so easy to hide out in center. Like, I think Willie Mason said it once center is the easiest position in the game because you don't have to do shit. You yeah. just stand there and you just catch and pass or you just catch and run. Like you don't have yeah. to, you don't have to do the hard work. But Bronson was putting themselves in the putting himself in the position to do the hard work and help the team get up the field. Yes, yes. Yeah, fuck okay. you like my argument, don't you? <laughs> I do, I do. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna counter argue that because um, we can see these stats from Jermaine Hopgood week in week out. So I, and also the fact that it's his second game back from a four year suspension. Gotta love it. So, yeah. I reckon Bronson gets Ripper of the Week. Ripper of the Week, Bronson. Some motherfucking name, Bronson. Love that. Right. <laughs> so, we're gonna do uh, Little Rippers of the Week. Kind of like kind of like our Deli M's. We could do each Little Ripper of the game and use it as, Deli, as like a Deli M point thing. So, who, yeah. got, who was the best in the game throughout the year. But, at the end of the year, we're gonna have our Ripper of the Year who's going to be won the most comps or whatever. And hopefully we can fill every single position so that we can yes. have a little ripper team of the year or ripper team of the year. I am very excited for that as well. Cause I think it'd be pretty interesting to stack it up against the daily ends. Yes. Yes. And obviously we're not looking at just attacking players like no. Bronson and score once. Yeah. So like we're looking at, Hard workers, kind of like whoever's just the, the biggest mongrel in the game type thing. Yeah. Like just uh, passing the eye test, really. Like maybe and they might just, be an unsung hero or something like that. But yeah. and just the like effort plays, man. Like putting in the effort to get your your team on the front foot. That's yep. what I'm looking at. Yep. No, I love it. I love it so much. It's actually one of our better ideas. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> so for teamless. We discussed uh, off mic um, that we found like we found out what uh, fire out. We try that again. We felt like that <laughs> reading out the team list was more of a chore than us really enjoying talking about footy. So each week, whether we do it or not, we might do a little bit of it. Like basically, just only notable changes for each team. Thank God we only have four teams to go through this week which means next week's potty is going to be probably shorter, but a lot more in-depth on those two games. Um, we'll probably have a few points for each team 
how they did and how we feel about it. So for the Vegas team list, um, for Manly, only real notable is Ben Trebojevic, Burbo, has been named on an edge. Um, for the Rabbitohs, we got Sean Kepi starting in front row with, I believe, Tevita Totola. Yeah. Um, which I reckon I actually loved him in the trials when he played last week. So I rate that. Um, Jacob Gagai going to start at wing for Ty Munro, who is, I believe it was his collarbone. Collarbone, um, yes. So he he's out for a while. It's nice to see that a youngster is getting a shot at it instead of the usual Tane Milne or Kenna or Isaac Thompson. Yes. Who got the opportunities last year. Um, and then for the Roosters, Spencer Lenu starts. And thank you, Clarky, You pointed this out for me. It is his fifth ever start in the NRL. Yeah, you saw it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout out, yeah. Clarky. Shout out, Clarky. Um, Tyrell May has been benched. Um, the edge spots have been won by Satili Tupanua and Sua Wong. And there is no sign of Connor Watson or Angus Crichton. Now that's fumble. Bruce. Hmm? That's a fumble. Carry on. Oh, for Connor Watson? Yeah. Yeah, he looked yeah. he looked really good in the trial, so I'm a little bit gutted with that, but it is what it is. And for the Broncos, so there was always the wing debate, and we heard a lot of chat that people have been killing it in preseason training and stuff like that. So it was between Dean Mariner, Jesse Arthurs, and Corey Oates. Who do you reckon missed out? Corey Oates. Yep, Corey Oates missed out. We all heard all the chat, he's killing it, he's going to get that spot, lock him in, blah, 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 blah. It was all bullshit. Uh, Corey Oates has missed out. The only the only reason why I liked Corey Oates on the wing, like the only reason I had for justification was he's experienced and he can teach uh, Cobbo how to defend in centre. But if I know anything about uh, like centre and wing defences, which I fucking know nothing about, um, is that the centre <laughs> makes the decision on defence. So a good centre can make a wing look, a winger look good. <clears throat> RTS and Montoya. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> so, it, did, it didn't really matter if Corey Oates was there or not. Um, it all really depends on Cobo. But it's, yeah, it's good to see that Dean Mariner is getting his, getting his shot. Uh, Fletcher Baker is off the bench and Xavier Willison is named on the bench as well. Yeah. Just a quick little thing from me, just like a little note in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Cobo looked shaky at center but started looking better towards the end so i feel like we could see him perform there so i'm not too worried but this is going to be a big test and one to watch with him pairing up against manu yeah so it's either going to be manu running amok or we're going to praise Cobo after this game going he shut manu down so we'll see mm-hmm. yeah i can see either happening and i'm excited to see which one it is yeah um, same i believe that is all from us now it is. We're getting a, a little bit of PTSD, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> is there anything you want to say before I send it off and plug? Yes, there is. Fire. Thank you for tuning in once again. Yes. We we love you. We love the support and hashtag Layban for Delium. 
hashtag Laban to start first, and then he'll get Dalian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's all from us. Uh, quickly, we have a Instagram now. Um, we do have a Twitter as well, but we'll be mainly on Instagram. Um, Rip and Tear Podcast at Rip and Tear Podcast. No spaces, no nothing. Just Rip and Tear Podcast. You'll see our mugs on the profile and our mugs and the feed at the same time. And you'll see Laban's sexy mug there also. Um, hope we're trying to get more active with our socials. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll get, we'll be getting more posts as the season starts and continues. We'll get into the ebb and flow of things. We'll see how it works. We'll find our way. We'll find our groove and yeah, give us a follow on there. Uh, cheers for listening. Catch you next week, lads. See you later. See you all.